fuck you. <laughs> so they're arguing. Hey, everybody, it's the Boy Howdy podcast. We're already arguing about E3 bullshit. <coughs> I'm Annie. I'm Bill. Fuck E3. Fuck Ellen. Ah, I got an Ellen. There's two Ellen Page games. No, well, we can talk about year. that when we get to that point, can't Spoilers we? Spoilers if you don't like video games or but movies. Everybody, we're going to talk about video games and movies this episode. Holy shit. Um, E3 was this week, so we'll be talking about video game <laughs> nonsense. And later in the episode, when Spill is done opening beverages. What? This is the, that's everyone noted to open up their drinks at home. <laughs> That's the re- listener cue. Yeah! Um, we Later in the episode, we'll be talking about... If I our- drink... Be- oh, I do have a thing of, like, uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade I should be drinking right now. <sighs> is that not good? Do you not well, like no, Mike's? no, no, no. I actually kind of do like Mike's Hard what Lemonade. What is your preferred but- beer of choice? Well, I don't not- drink beer. That's not beer. No, but I'm just saying that's my only alcoholic thing I can drink and not not want to kill myself. I tend to like light I am beers. a girl. I enjoy the Pilsners, the Lagers. That's light um, stuff? Uh, pale Ale. Oh, okay. Um... Hefeweizen. Um, oh, it tastes so good. That is, that is. I tend, I don't tend to like dark beers. Okay. I like beers. So you only have a little bit of reason to make fun of me for liking Mike's Heart and Lemonade. Not that I like no, 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 it, no. that's the drink I can tolerate. I was make, I, will I never hate make the taste of, of alcohol. I will never make fun of you for it's liking candy. Mike's Heart and Lemonade. However, I will make fun of you for equating it with beer. It's exactly like you equating <laughs> Diablo 3 with, with, with fucking Baldur's Gate 2 Dark Alliance. What? Because what, you think Baldur's Gate 2 is better? Have you still not looked it up to understand the difference? Why? What's the difference? Wait, 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 did we well, have an argument about one, this? Yes, well, see, clearly I had an argument with you, and you're oblivious to it. We're not going to rehash it. We're the it's same fine. game! So, yeah, everybody, it's the Boy Howdy Podcast. Uh, hey, everybody. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe this is the last Boy Howdy Podcast. <laughs> we only made it 33 episodes in. <laughs> God. Bill, oh, so we... this is our Jesus Podcast. This is, Why? This is... If our podcast were, if this is our podcast Don't make that joke. I hate that joke. Why? Because it's not like you're Catholic or anything, right? <sighs> What? An acquaintance of mine for his 33rd birthday had a Jesus party where he dressed like Jesus Christ on the cross. Did he ask you to go? I did not go. Oh, okay. I am not Christian anymore. I'm just talking about a podcast. I thought that was... Podcasts can't actively make fun of you or your beliefs. That's a lie. Only the people representing the podcast. I'll just say the podcast is a Why is a podcast is not people on it? The podcast is... It's like saying a little baby just got born made fun of you. No, it's the it's the parent holding baby's hand going, ah, I just make fun of Jesus. I you can't get angry at the baby. You can't get angry at the podcast. I wasn't alleging that podcast. all podcasts are making <laughs> it's fun. It's an inanimate object that screams faith. at you. I what? was saying don't make that joke about a 33rd What's going on? What happened this week? What's going on in your life? Lately, people have given me shit. Don't give me shit today, Bill Mudrin. Why? I, what I've happened? just been the receiver of shit week? lately. Oh. I have not had a long week. However, it's been a lot of people giving me shit. For what? For the just, podcast? No, 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 no. Just generally calling Get that me fat, screamy guy off your podcast. <laughs> just, what the hell is that guy's problem? Bill, what's going on in your life? <laughs> How was the Stephen King book I gave you last week? <laughs> it is collecting dust. Is it delicious? Dust. It is collecting dust on a... Um, I gave you that book just so I can guilt trip you because I... No, you're not. Actually, it is sitting on my bedside table, sandwiched between um, a mouse and um, a lesbian pornographic anthology. I am more likely a to pick up... computer mouse or a real mouse? Mouse. M-A-U-S. Why mouse? Why is that your bedtime reading? Because I'm rereading it. That's weird. It's That I'm... is fatalistic lesbian, like, NUI. <laughs> Are you depressed? No. I haven't read mouse since I was 11 or 12. Is it good? Is it hold up? It's, I mean, it's mouse. People at home know what mouse is. Mouse, if you don't know what, because I didn't know what you're talking about for a minute. <laughs> mouse is really good if you're up for a downer. It's um, a Ray Bradbury short story. <laughs> it's um Art Spiegelman's uh, accounting of his uh, parents' experience in the Holocaust and him dealing yeah, with just... 
with the guilt of his parents' experience in the Holocaust. It's a very good book. It's heavy as shit. It was actually one of the first graphic novels I've read. Wow. That, that, was, yeah, that was a lot of people. That was the first comic I ever if read it, that was not um, Archie. It or... sounds like you, if you were growing up in the mid-90s and you were in America, it sounds like that was a book that got pushed on a lot well, of kids. No, no, it wasn't that it was pushed. I would go to the library. Well, you were a special, but like I've seen other people who are like, my comics experience was, my, was only It was this. library. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Because well, yeah. I went to go look at like Finds from Garfield. <laughs> Or something. That's a hell of a jump. You know? They don't have talking animals, but and yeah. at the time, in the Dewey Decimal System, graphic novels, and as much as there were at the time, and um, like comic strip collections were in the same place. That's my story. That's good <laughs> it was like, no, I'm so... <laughs> you know, right? Bill almost burps. <laughs> that was... <laughs> sound effects. Man, I was watching War, the, listening to War of the Worlds today. Yeah. That shit's awesome. The original Orson Welles thing from 1939 yeah. that came yeah. up on my iPod today while I was going downtown to pick up Prince. Yeah. Man, we should do something like that because it's cheap because all you need is like a, some tear kit, some beer. Oh, no! Idiots! It's It just happens with the beer and the aliens sound like uh, uh, soda cans opening up. Oh, no! It's a laser beam! Ah, it taste that refreshes. minutes long and I can't believe like people were slitting their own throats in bathtubs over that stuff but it's still amazing what they managed it's a good production too it's scary yeah. as balls those dudes knew what they were doing that just randomly came up in my iPod today and this is creepy shit I, I heard that as a kid but I haven't heard it in a long time I don't know why I'm bringing that up now I'm glad it, this week has been us revisiting things that affect what us what did you do childhood. this week I just read Mouse that That's I haven't it? read since I was 11. And read porn. What's the female born anthology? Oh, I'm not going to talk about this. The late, late You're not going to even talk about that. Is it pictures so, or is it literature? I'm not going to talk about this. Is it pornography? So this week I read The Sixth Gun. The second volume uh, of The Sixth Gun. I think I talked about The Sixth Gun while yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah. I picked up the second volume. The second volume is better than the first. Did you see Basically, what I made? My, I made a health potion. I was going to say, Bill... <laughs> Bill just picked up a small glass. I, you know, we're not going to talk about my my Stephen King Dark Tower book. I'm going to poo-poo on your sixth gun by distracting you. What? You made a mana potion, Bill. Yeah! You made a health potion. I took, what is this? Ortali uh, vinaigrette. No, what? No, what's the balsamic vinegar stuff? It comes in, looks, looks like a Zelda health potion thing. I du- Well, I didn't dump the, hel- the stuff out, but then... Uh, once it was consumed. Once it was consumed, and I filled it with red soda, and now it looks like a health potion. It looks awesome. You probably awesome. should have done water with, like, food dye in it. Because you now have red soda in this vial. Like, look, it's already soaking through the bottom of the cork. It's plastic cork. <laughs> it would, we'll only get ants and bugs in this basement, is all I'm saying. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I'm just saying. I'm glad you that. That was my project this week. No, <laughs> it's about six project. I took a bottle <laughs> and I put soda in it. <laughs> Rewarding. I'm <feel> creative. <laughs> I'm the Paula Dean of homemade video game paraphernalia. So my 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 personal weekend review is going to be a lot of hey you guys should show, should go read this or consume this. The Sixth Gun, super good. It is holistically this really is good. This is the second book that you read. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole story so far. I picked up the third volume. I'm really excited about it. It's everything. It takes what should be pretty much a corn pone pre- premise. Mm-hmm. It's really entertaining. The characters are engaging. The art is great. 
the inking is fantastic, the coloring is top-notch, and then on top of that, the balloon paste placement and lettering is super... A balloon placement? Dude, when it's done well... I don't understand, but that's a rare thing to hear people mean, like, oh yeah, that balloon well, placement. Well, I'm just saying, it's like, a lot of times when you have digital lettering and digital balloon stuff, it looks like... Oh, it's all digital. Oh, because that's the difference, because yeah, digital, like, uh, reading the Avatar comic that just came out from Dark Horse last yeah. week, it's great, but the digital sound effects, it looks a little cheap. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, see, that's the thing. When it's done well, it's super worth congratulating. So I'm just saying, The Six Gun is holistically a great book. I have literally, I could not try to come up with a criticism of it if I if I worked real hard at it. Okay. I really can't recommend it highly enough. Six Gun, Six Gun, Six Gun. Everybody read Show, the me, six the gun. Show me the blueprints. <laughs> Show me the blueprints. Show me the blueprints. Okay, friends. Bill and, I, <laughs> Bill and I are kind of punchy, so this is going to be a really great podcast. <laughs> I mentioned I mentioned this last week too. The Good Wife. My wife and I are. are yeah, no, you've been talking wife. about this. Explain more about that. So the Good Wife. I think I touched on it. It's about a um, a woman who um, she's married to a politician. He's like a, a state's attorney general, and she gives up her career so she can raise their children and be a good political wife. Yeah, a good political partner. Oh, and, it's just um, oh, okay. It's that show. Okay, yeah, this okay. is that show. And so he has a self scandal. She has to go back to work to raise their to support their children. They have to kind of take a step down from the life they were accustomed to. Also, she has to navigate her relationship with him while navigating being reintroduced to the workforce for the first time in, well, a decade. Yeah. And she's an adult, middle-aged woman, but she's coming in on the bottom floor of this law firm. Okay. She has to fight against this young gun for this position in the company. And she befriends a private investigator of the company. It's I can't recommend it highly enough. I'm We're only, like, four or five episodes in, but it's solid, solid TV. Seriously. First episode's free on iTunes. Please, you guys need to get on this train. Did I talk really about Downton Abbey last week? We're so bad at this. I don't know. Let's talk about things I finished Downtown Abbey. <laughs> you finished Downtown Abbey? Yeah. Uh, How about I, Downton I, Abbey? I, I, what did you do I, with I Downton Abbey? I watched the first episode a couple weeks ago, and I got confused. <laughs> This is how I know I'm a sociopath. This is how I know I'm a sociopath. Because every, it's a bunch of white, white people, people. With, with all the ladies have brown hair, and I just get confused. <laughs> it's like watching sheep. It's like asking someone to watch my flock of sheep and then tell me what happened today. And not just like, well, none of the sheep got killed. But no, you got to tell me what, like, what did the sheep do? like? What were the political dynamics of the sheep today? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's a bunch of sheep. It's a bunch of white people living in a goddamn. Is it actually an Abbey? Have you seen the show? I saw the first. It looks pretty. Where my wife and I shit. watched 20 minutes into the first episode it's and not, we just gave up. It's not bad. We got to the point where the dude was like, Downton Abbey is my life. Yeah, that's what I'm And saying. I was like, nope, nope, can't. But then Joshua and Bahar just happened to be watching the last episode last week and I watched it with them and I was like, oh, that's what happens to everybody. <laughs> and then just to round out my knowledge of getting Downton Abbey, I just read all the Wikipedia entries for every episode. I was like, oh, I'm done with Downton Abbey. I know what happened. I was like, yeah. It's no, it's cute. That is a goddamn pretty show. The music theme. Dun, dun, dun. And it looks like the Keep cover going. of a fancy book because it's all like white text on a on a beautiful white sunlight thingy. It's beautiful. <laughs> Production values are awesome. And well, then there's two guys who look like the penguin from the from the Batman. And I always get them confused because they just look like uh, Papa Penguin and Baby Penguin. And I guess they're kind of both in charge. And it confuses me. There's Mr. Carson and Mr. Bates. But then there's Harry Potter, bitch. She always a bitch. Even two seasons on, she a bitch. Are you talking about uh, yeah! uh, Maggie Smith? How did you not stick around for Maggie Smith? Because she is good I in that I stuck show. around for Maggie Smith and then I left. 
She showed up long enough to be like, ah, Lady fucking electricity Ransom. left. Man, and then the 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 air guy they bring in because like the Airbender. That's <laughs> 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 what this guy is because they bring in because they need a new air. And they're like, we need you to bend our fortune your way. Uh, no, uh, there's this guy with red hair with these eyes. He looks like a zombie. He looks like a red White Walker. He has like glowing eyes from uh, Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Oh, there's then there's two people in Game of Thrones show up, but yeah. they both have red hair, so I can't describe them because one's a male, one's female. Uh-huh. I can't remember. It's Jorah Mormont shows yeah. up. Yeah, who you like? Because he's honorable. I do love Jorah Mormont. He gets he didn't get shit to do in this lap, last episode of Game of Thrones though. Yeah, all he did was walk around the bend saying Khaleesi, Khaleesi, and then she walked away. And you're then talking about Downton Abbey. Egret shows up and she's trying to learn how to like she's trying to get another job. She don't like working in Downton Abbey because she's like I heard Mance Raider is hiring. I gotta go help him. <laughs> Who's going to play Mance Raider next year? I was actually just talking about this this morning. Who 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 would you cast as Mance Raider? Have Man, you someone... we were talking about Nathan Fillion. Oh, that'd be awful. You know you know who'd <laughs> actually be English, a great... You know who would be a great Mance Raider and they could never afford him? Huh? Michael Fassbender. Uh, they it has to, to be... scruff him up. Well, dude... But he's so... I see him as so much as a distinguished guy where he's so much like... Dude, you have not seen enough stuff with Michael Fassbender. He could be a scruffy fuck. Because the thing about Mance Raider... Did we see him in the... What was the movie we saw where he was a caveman? What was he doing? The movie we saw where he was a caveman. No, he was like... Was he a Roman? Outlawed. Oh, he was in that terrible... (laughs) He was in a terrible movie about the Roman Legion, wasn't he? Yeah! He wasn't bad in that, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Anyway, my well, point... Michael Fassbender. Michael, well, here's the thing. Shut the fuck up and let me Should finish it be Dr. Hoops? It has to be someone charismatic. Like, a scruffy, charismatic dude. Like, someone who you would follow to your death. It has to be someone serious I charisma. I know, because, yeah, yeah. That's going to be the big casting thing for next year. Yeah. Um, Should it be uh, the Ninth Doctor? I'm so bummed because what's his name? Well, they were talking about he was going to play Stannis, the ninth. Uh, who's the guy who played uh, before uh, David Tennant? What's his you face? You were asking. Oh, Eccleston. Eccleston. Yeah, they were he's saying he's going to play no, Stannis. He's about as he is. He has charisma. He is not that charismatic. I like Doctor Who, so I would follow Doctor Who. Then maybe it should be Matt Smith. Oh God, <laughs> he should be that's wild and wonky. He does grow a hilarious beard. Should it be Rory? <laughs> I swear to God, for one terrifying minute, I was like Gilmore. <laughs> No, it should not be Rory it's Gilmore. Rory, which one's always getting Which one? Because they're Gilmore girls, and I always forget the big girl, big Gilmore girl and baby people. It's also confusing because it's Lorelai and Rory. And Rory, just close yeah. Enough. It sounds like Rory Drawer. <laughs> it's Rory. You know, yeah, Rory's because she showed up in Mad Men, you see her titties hanging out. And that freaked me out. Hey, Rory, it's the Pony podcast. Man, we just talked about five different shows without any kind of a break. Like, what do you think of Game of Thrones? I think Mad Men with titties hanging out. Who's Mad Trainer? <laughs> Welcome to TV Salad, everybody. I guess we've already started the Geek Creeping Review, too, I guess. I don't know. No, so, yeah, no, Gilmore, um, uh, Gilmore Girls, Game of Thrones. Game Gil- of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> we are so amused by our own bullshit. We're like, you know, this is so funny. We need to record and put it on the internet. Oh, God, this is so awesome. what'd you think of the, yeah, what do you think of the Game of Thrones finale? I it. That was good. I enjoyed it. Did anyone complain about it? People were bitching about it. I was at Periscope today and everyone seemed to dig it. Yeah. And all I know is Twitter bitches about everything. But they were bitching about it on Twitter. They were the bitching problem? about the tower, Magic Tower. You know what? During the whole Magic Tower it sequence. Got Drogo came back. Yeah. That was it was great. worth it just to have Call Drogo. And, and well, that was, man, I love Call Drogo. Aside from just seeing Call Drogo again, uh, I love that this is. Uh, 
what's her face having to willfully give up Khal Drogo. Because yeah. before Khal Drogo just kind of slipped away from oh, yeah, her and she never really got on. a chance to say goodbye. Yeah. I like the fact they actually, God knows whether or not that Khal Drogo was actually real. I The way they kind of present it, it seemed like that was actually him talking from the spirit lands. Because God knows there's enough or, spiritual magic stuff in the Well, Game of think Thrones. about it. Uh-uh. That's not beyond the, the pale. Hey, take a step back. The whole goal they're them in the tower is to keep her there forever. I know. So they probably can like mirror her. But feelings. I would like to think that Khal Drogo. If he said if fuck the Grand Stallion, and, and he yeah, that I, that's almost too awesome to think that didn't happen. I'd hate to think that was all a thing. But that was, and she got to see her baby wear a little uh, little, a little wig, little Klingon wig. <laughs> that was really, no, but that was a good episode. I uh, liked it. I've been on can record. I, and can no, I can I finish what I was gonna say? I Bill? was at Periscope today, and I was telling people no, like, I can't. And uh, I was like, uh-huh. I, I asked no, Eric. What do you want to say, Bill? I, really, I asked Eric. I really value everything I've been I saying. I want to hear what you have to say, Bill. And as soon as Erica started talking, I just overran her. I was like, man, I've been listening to my podcast. I'm like, all I do is, ask, hey, Andy, what do you think? And you're like, I think. And I'm like, oh, but well, you don't know. <laughs> so, anyway, go ahead. Motherfucker. We have a talking baton. We know a talking baton. When What's I hold... talk? Should it be the, uh, the, the health? <laughs> the health <laughs> Zelda. The Zelda health potion? Here, you, here's your health. <laughs> okay, now you shut up. I'm holding the health potion. No, so, um... But I have the C-3PO. Are you fuck. fucking kidding me, motherfucker? <laughs> I am holding the motherfucking health potion. Go, 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 go. No, I realize as I'm watching this whole tower sequence, and all I... Because I only watched it this morning, and I saw everybody in the internet bitching, oh, the tower sequence is shitty, blah, blah, blah. As I'm watching it, I'm like, why do I... I mean, I, I could care... And I'm realizing, I think this is fine. I remembered I totally skimmed through that in the book <laughs> during the entire tower sequence. Well, I think they actually did change the contents. Oh, they did. Because I think the contents, it was even more... Yeah, and there's a lot. I remember it was burning longer, down a door. And, yeah, and all kind. Yeah. It was. It's, it almost seemed like it was a lot more abstract. It was almost like a Twilight yeah. Zone kind of thing. Totally. Where it wasn't even just like walking from one room to room, but she was like flying through space and some yeah. kind of bullshit. It was a too. lot more crazy. This it, this was done on an HBO budget. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was Which good. Which isn't bad. And I didn't have to fast forward through it. I don't like I didn't. But yeah, that. Snow on the Throne. <laughs> I like that it was also Ash. You know? Oh yeah, no, but that was it was great to see Danny in the goddamn throne room. Yeah, it was worth it that just to see her fi- actually walk on that goddamn set. Mm-hmm. And they actually did a really good job of breaking it all down. It was all like yeah. abandoned, and I'd like yeah. to, I'd like to think that is actually important of the future. That's what Ray mm-hmm. keeps going to look like. You know, God knows, like a yeah. hundred years from now. Yeah, man, if that's what man, if that's the kind of winter that they're going to get. Yeah, man, we better get some big ass snow scenes in this this series eventually. I know yeah. we're still like eight books away from anything. Happening and yeah, happening meteorologically. Meteorologically. Did you see the sun this week? The Venus. I did see Venus cross the sun. Actually, no. This is my experience with that. So I worked all day and it was cloudy and rainy. I was like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. Didn't really have a chance to go outside. Didn't have any equipment to go look at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. After work, we swung by um, uh, a hipster little grocery store down the street here. Um, and as I'm being rung up by the twinkly-eyed mustachio boy behind the counter, I'm just thinking, I bet you ride a fixer, or a fixie. He go, he just looks at us and he goes, did you see, did you look at Venus in the sun today? And Foley and I were like, no, we worked, we couldn't, he goes, it's still happening. And then he hands me the glasses, he goes, no, 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 you have to go see it. So I wandered outside, it was great, the sun had a mole. That's what it looks like. The sun had a beauty mark. What did he give you? Just like a piece of like smoked glass? They were like glasses. They're oh, okay, like, okay. um, like, oh, like... I had 3D glasses. I could... Oh, I had a beer bottle. I could have looked out. Oh, this has got beer in it. You want a beer? It's room temperature. <laughs> you know how to pitch it. Yeah. Is it good beer? 
I don't know where that beer came from. It's a dark. Beer. How I don't even drink it. I find mystery beer in my it's room. It's pretty dusty. You know what? It's super dusty. Dylan was over here uh, last Friday. She had half a burrito. She left it on my uh, bookshelf. <laughs> it melted. And it had been sitting on top of a pal's gift certificate card, and it scorched, <laughs> and it kind of like the like melted the 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 magnetic strip off the back of the uh, wow the the, the card. card. This yeah. is interesting. <laughs> so fucking interesting. How this what this has to do with Game of Thrones? I have no idea. Anyway, well, yeah, that was a good episode. I thought it was really great with all the with all the 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 balls they have up in the air, the juggling those balls yeah. with their tongue. Story shut tongue. up! Shut up! I think they did a really good job. However, watching it, I was like, I couldn't remember. Foley turns to me and she goes, what happens with Shay? I can't remember. And I had to look it up. I know what happens. I had forgotten because the, what happens immediately after stuff you with Shay is so intense. You told me about so what happens with Shay like two years ago. Well, yeah. yeah. But, All of Game of Thrones is one big mush in my head. But, uh, I mean, Peter Dinklage only shows up for one scene, but his scene with uh, uh, Shay is yeah, great because... that was great. She again. It's where he's trying to push her away, and yeah. she says, "Fuck that shit." And that just. I liked just... his whole speech about how he's like, "I like it, and it's better." And like, I like it more than anything I've ever done in my entire life. Well, just that's what. Yeah, a lot game. of this episode was kind of thematic that way, where yeah. everyone kind of choosing, kind of mm-hmm. like ca- like casting their own fates, just kind of like saying, "Like, okay, this is what I like, and this is what my future is." I thought it was be. interesting the way they changed everything in the north, like north of the wall with Jon Snow and the Half Hand. Yeah. Where they never have a conversation, it just happens. Yeah. You know. Which I think is an interesting thing, because John's that kind of not that John ever had a choice. I like that, like there was never a moment for the half hand to actually. There was yeah. never a wink and a nudge moment nope. between them where they kind of played off, and he had, he ends up pissing off John enough that you. Yeah. It seems like when he actually kills the half hand, it's, oh yeah, it's not just oh, just yeah. for show, but he's actually legitimately the way pissed. he killed him. Which the guy was goading him into doing that, yeah. but then I love how much all all the wildlings are like, "Damn, son, you are one of yeah. us." How quickly that turned <laughs> yep. over. I was like, "Oh, geez. dude, they're not they're not fancy smart." People. I know, yeah, exactly, but. It, like even stuff like what else happened? Oh, Theon. Well, this is this is confuses me. Who burned Winterfell? They did. Who's they? They burned it on their way out in the books. Uh, yeah, no. But those twenty guys, yeah, look like they were going to give themselves up to the five hundred guys that you never get to they're see. They're not going to give themselves up. They're going to sneak away in the night. That's what that whole thing meant. How they're they're sne- how are they going to sneak away? They don't know. They about, sneak. They don't know. Master, only twenty. Master Lowen's the only one who knows about the secret tunnels beneath Winterfell. Well, and they he tells Theon, and then they knock out Theon. You wait until the night. And the you start books, a fire. In the there book, it's more explicit that they uh, like they burn the place and they run away before bad guys show up. Yeah. In this, it's a little more confusing because they're already surrounded. Like where they burn Winterfell, what the hell happened? Well, they think they're surrounded. We don't I'm, really. We don't get to know from the. I'm just wondering if they're going to change it so that actually, uh, uh, the Bolton crew actually did attack him when they attacked. I don't know why they would burn. Well, they down didn't Winterfell. introduce the Boltons at all. Yeah, I mean, it's just me in in the north on that front. That's kind of confusing, but whatever. Well, I guess not. They mentioned it. I knew a Theon's speech. It was great. It was great. And they just clocked him. Did you notice, man, you've never seen the U- UK office. I didn't realize. Yes, I have. Motherfucker. We that... watched it together, Oh, did we? I didn't realize that the bad guy, uh, was it Clefjaw, the Theon's little right-hand man who keeps yeah. on, like, goading him on to do bad stuff? Yeah. He's the bad guy from The Office. Dylan pointed this out. Oh, is he? That he's the uh, Ricky Gervais's asshole, super sexist, dipshit oh. friend who shows yes. up and causes all kinds of problems for him. Oh, I'd forgotten. I forget the That's character's name. That's why he name, looks but, familiar. Yeah, I did. But yeah, it was good. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, Brienne. Oh yeah, that was great. Fucking up those guys. The whole well, scene was great. She kills two of those guys, and the third one, she makes the death nice and slow. Which and is... I like. And he's like, he's like, those are Stark men. And he's like, I don't serve the Stark. That was great. And like Jamie having to put on like a fake accent to make him sound. Like, oh, that was great. His lowlands. Yeah. Like, oh, I still a pig. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that, that was. 
Well, the, the other question I had, wasn't the hound about to take Santa, Sansa to Winterfell? What is she doing still bumming around that... Uh... Yeah, they didn't really address that. Because they made the last scene in that last episode with them was, well, okay, let's go. And then the next thing you know, Sansa's just kind of like, Well, she out. says no. Does she say no? Kind of. I mean, he says she says no, and he's like, what do you have to stay here that. for? Yeah, they don't really address well, what happened kind of to the hound. Well, it's kind of assume, but what? Yeah, you, it's easy to assume, but I would never say that you cannot assume from that scene that... Although her still sticking around was worth it. For a little uh, smile she gets when... That was great. Yeah, when Joffrey's like, oh, no, I don't need you anymore. She's like, oh, I'm so sad. And then she turns on me. Man, the kids they cast in this were, are all so good. Oh, that's a real chick. Mm-hmm. Oh, she... I want to have sex She's with that space alien. Looking. She's interesting-looking. That's a great way to say it. She looks like somebody from that time. Well, whatever fantasy time this. She she looks alien enough yeah. that she looks like she could she be from a painting. She does not look of this world. Her tits are always hanging out. Like, it's right. It's not like she has huge tits, though, but they're always just mashing her tits in weird ways that, like, I can assume that all of her dresses for the rest of the show, it's just going to be tits on a planet. Well, not necessarily, because this has been, she's been trying to sell herself during the well, entire series that we've seen her. Oh, queen now. It'll be, be. It'd be does cool. she actually marry... Stinky butt. Stinky butt. Joffrey. Let's, we don't, well, it's, it's I know not going to spoiler town. It's oh, not okay. going to spoiler town. Anyway, yeah, Game of Thrones. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to next season. Yeah, in 10 months. But yeah. In 10 months. Good times. Oh, man, so is the next season going to end with uh, RW? Well, they're splitting the next book up into two books. When does that happen in the third book? I can't remember. We had this exact same conversation last week. Oh, okay, I'm just saying. Let's move on. Let's look at Legend of Korra! This week's episode, man. Okay, so is Tarlock Amon? I don't think so. I, I was he, thinking so until this episode. Yeah, yeah. Or I thought they were connected, but the way he reacted when she said, "You're no better than Amon," I thought maybe that was him acting, but no, that seemed mm-hmm. like legitimate. Like that—that's what he turned had him his over back to, to the her. fight. Yeah, yeah. Is Tarlock the son of the evil Waterbender in the flashbacks? Because that seems they because they're both yeah. bloodbenders. Yeah. Uh, from the dress of yeah, the guy you con. Uh, was it Yakon? I can't remember. Yakon? Yakon. It's the gangster that everyone's all freaking out about in the, in the, uh-huh. in the backstory. In the flashback. Oh, is that who that's supposed to be? Yeah. That guy's a waterbender. If you look like look at his collar yeah. and stuff, that guy's a waterbender too. And he's bloodbending he's everyone. Bloodbending in that... The entire room! Dear Lord! Yeah. Like, even like the, the people around the, the council, he's bloodbending them? So, we're, this is probably getting to spoiler stuff because people, like, the first thing you see of that guy in the flashback is you see him kind of making evil face. And suddenly yeah. his eyes kind of, like, just go, Mrawr. and also, like, different shots in the flashbacks are pre- being presented out of order. Because, like, yeah. in the flashbacks, you'll have the guy in the stand and you see a picture of, like, uh, Toph, like, pointing at the guy. It seems like, yeah. like when he's arrested, jumping back yeah. and forth. Everyone's wondering if uh, maybe... Uh, we haven't seen Katara yet in the flashbacks. Yeah. Because what she does, she shows up at the trial, and she's the one who saves everyone. That her dramatic that interest awesome. is going to be her blood bending that motherfucker back. Mm. So we'll see. But I'm assuming next week's episode is going to be her just meditating. He said that. Um. Um. What's his? He said. Um. Uh, I followed Brian on Tumblr, and he said next week's episode is his favorite. It's one of the most intense episodes. Or was he talking about? It's called him Out of the Past, and I'm assuming yeah. this might be the time she actually does get in touch with I Aang. think, yeah, I think this, I think they so said my... that the next episode is two episodes, and they're both flashback episodes. Oh, is it? No, okay. So we get to learn more about the past. Because I know the season finale this year is two episodes back-to-back. Man. Legend There's only two or three episodes back, but yeah. Well, this episode, actually, I did not care for the first half of the episode. It was kind of like light and fluffy, just kind of like everyone's moving that. to the island. But it wasn't, that was one of the first times where I felt like kind of like the lighter, fluffier the directing was kind of weird. Again, not, not, not harp on directing because of what... What the hell was I was complaining about? Oh, the directing of Blackwater Bay. The yeah. stuff I was complaining about this week. This week, also, again, with the directing seemed a little weird with uh, Korra this time. 
See, there was a couple oh. jokes where it seemed kind of like dead air and stuff. Dude, I that? my what favorite is... thing was her reaction to. Do you know that she has a crush on Mako? Her reaction, and then the she's like, "Get out of here!" Like it that. was great. No, that stuff was fantastic. I, I love. That love stuff. See, I think you need a quiet moment. You but need the a moment, quiet moment where the actual political shit started going down, and you know the yeah, the people got arrested, and the oh, man Tarlock's office, just the design of Tarlock's office, that was with the so big waterfall great. with the Northern Water Tribe seal with the two like yin yang fish yeah. that were a big thing at the end of uh, the first season of the first Avatar show and the big fucking fight I thought she was gonna go into the fucking Avatar Man, state that, that fight was and like great. she's a fucking bruiser like, I love a motherfucker too but the fact that like she's throwing goddamn ice daggers at her she's punching the ice daggers out of the fucking that air that great and just like oh my god and she wrecks the fuck out of him she almost it was kills so, his I was gonna ass. say I was really like Jesus Christ like, I thought, she smashed him through the wall I thought that was gonna be what happened she yeah. was gonna you know, either end up killing him or putting him in the hospital, and suddenly the fact that she nearly kills a uh, 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 a, a yeah, council guy was going to be an issue. But yeah, she almost got unlucky in that sense. Yeah. But I don't know. I love I love the story they're telling. I'm totally engaged with it. It is yeah. such good stuff. I'm yeah, man, the, 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 the gang on patrol in the car. I love with the Sami showing up. Oh, oh god, I love that so much. The Sami and her. Awesome, he's costuming with the glove, and she, oh man! The fact that she's okay, you got this hot, hot ass Japanese chick, which that's going to already turn a lot of people. But she's like there. fully clothed, like she's not sexualized the in fact that way. She's driving a 1930s roadster, one handed like a badass, using the other hand with her electro glove, yeah, with the stick shift, just running over people and yeah. fucking uh, like in this big Mad Max like Raiders of the Lost Ark chase scene. That was amazing. Dear Lord. Yeah. That's some good shit. Oh, man. I love Legend Core. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to get a kit car and make a Sami's car. Yeah. Did you see the logo on the front was super cool? Yeah. Like a British flag or something like that? Oh, and just man. like, oh. I love Legend of Korra. So here's my Legend of Korra story this week. Um, we have very dear friends of ours who have our, our little four-year-old bro. He's my favorite guy in the world. Yeah. Um, he, um, we watch some cartoons together. He shares my love of Kipper. Which is a ridiculous British cartoon show for tiny kids. Like, they market it as, what is it? Soothing adventures for today's fast-paced kids. Which is a nice way of saying, shit doesn't happen, soothing music. You know, soothing British voices, talking slowly. It's like Paddington Bear, but like, yeah. yeah. But it's like like about a little dog in a formless void and his low-key adventures. Well, when I was in college and I was really suffering panic attacks... I would watch Kipper, and it would calm me down, and I would fall asleep with it playing, because it really helped calm me down. Yeah. And um, he loves Kipper. My little four-year-old bro loves Kipper, so we hang out and watch it all the time. Well, he um, he also loves his mom's iPad, so much so that when we upgraded our iPad, we gave them our first-gen iPad, okay. so that it could kind of be his, but also his dad's. Well, the thing is, is that his dad is really following baseball really closely right now, so he's using the iPad all the time. Yeah. So we went, fully went over to visit, and he took our iPad from her. He's like, I want to play. Well, she had her videos up. So he pulls up her videos. Oh, no. And the first thing she has in there, fortunately, we don't have anything untoward on there, but um, the first thing she had on there was the most recent episode of Korra. Mm-hmm. And he gets totally engaged and he's like, what's this? And he's like, well, this is this is cartoon. This is Legend of Korra. And he goes, it's art. Aww. And he's watching. He's like, she's pretty and points to Korra. And he's like, really? And he's like, I don't want to watch it. And his mom is just like looking at us going, is it violent? And I'm like, well, 
Well, no one gets hurt. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, you know what, kid? We're going to wait a couple years. I'm going to show you Avatar The Last Airbender. That's actually better, and yeah. And then when you're older, then we're going to show you Legend of Korra. Uh, but Foley's like, but I want to show you He already has a boner on uh, Korra. He's, he's oh, that Milo's got a boner for Asami? Yeah. Oh, beautiful woman. <laughs> that is great. Legend of Korra, man. Uh, so what do you think uh, Tarlock did with the with uh, Korra? Man, I don't know. That motherfucker. This how, be... how did he have um, uh, Equalist stuff? What do you mean he had Equalist stuff? He had the Equalist glove and the Equalist um, uh, thing, bolo thing. What? When he's covering his ass Who's after the fight. Oh, shit. What? I watched an episode. I watched a preview of next week's episode. Never oh, mind. Mama. Sorry. Never mind. So, oh, so what is he planning, like, Equalist stuff to make it well, look like the Equalist attack yeah, and not... Yeah, that's... I'm sorry. I watched an episode for next... Or a, a scene for like, next Well, it episode. can't be that spoiler. Sorry. If that's just, like, a preview thing. I've oh, heard. really? That's son of a bitch. Oh, so he's actually taken, like... Is, is Korra around or anything like that? No. Oh, so he's, like, took her... It couldn't be too far because he's able to get back there soon enough that when people find the wreckage, he can claim it. Yeah, because I was hoping if, like, they, they want an adventure together, you get to finally, for the first time, see some stuff outside of Republic City, which I'm fine with them staying around Republic City, yeah. but it'd be nice to be get a glimpse of outside the city yeah. for once too oh okay you asked me last week or maybe it was a while ago what kind of video game you'd want a legend of Korra video game to be yeah and i was thinking about this and at the time i said oh you know an rpg kind just of a like jade, jade empire. empire yeah i realized what i want the legend of Korra video game to be are you ready for this angry birds shenmue just walking around talking to people you're expl- you're in republic city you can wander around and explore you can meet the people. Oh, but there is the kung fu. And there's the like kung the actual fu. action game yeah. aspect. So you are a young bender coming to Republic City. There's some sort of mystery you have to unravel, Aww. and so you're navigating the city for the first time. You have to get a Did job. Did you actually play Shenmue back in the day? Yeah. Or you only know. Okay, no, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know if you just Shenmue knew it through rep- reputation. No, that's I not a bad both. idea actually. But I thought about it. I'm like, no, no, no. That's what I want. I wanted a, a, a dialogue. <laughs> I mean, obviously, a good Shenmue. You just kind of walk over, listen but... to the Equalist propaganda, go yeah. over there, buy some, you know, get, get some fish. Yeah, hang out with the what's his face by the uh, the, the the hobo guy with yeah. his, with his sparkling bush. That's what I sparkle, you know. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> I would want that sort of exploratory, idea, you know, actually, yeah. and with with fighting elements because really that's what you'd want from that sort of game. Yeah, Shenmue. Man, I hope people love Korra listening to this episode. But now, <laughs> Legend of Korra is fucking spectacular so far. It's 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 been good times. Oh man, man. Uh, what else happened this week? Um, that's kind of TV voice because you don't watch Mad Men or anything like that. No. Last episode how of Mad Men comes out this week. It? Oh, it's last. I haven't episode. even watched it yet. I'll watch uh, the, uh, this week's episode and, and and next week's finale at the same time. Um, the only other thing I did this week, I took a, a class this week. It was the first time I've done any sort of adult education thing. Is first class of any sort that I've taken since college. Yeah. It was interesting. It was interesting to take a class with other adults and other adults who clearly. Um, have not done any sort of education. Yoga? Well, no, it was just intense, because um, Portlanders are notoriously passive-aggressive, and I got some of that. And also, there's a lot of people who have very clearly forgotten how to learn. Like, a lot of interrupting the te- teacher, and a lot of don't-make-me-look-stupid moments. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What class was this? When it, I'm taking a class on um, documentary filmmaking. Okay, yeah. So it's really just kind of to Really? Step people up are my... snarking back about documentary filmmaking well, technique? Well, it's like, well, teacher, we were talking about really basic camera stuff, like aperture and film speed, and, like, progressive versus interlaced and high-definition video, and, like, recording audio, and, like, sort of, like, white balance. Like, really basic ground level stuff yeah. is where we're starting and he's asking open questions to initiate a dialogue 
And when he was like, you know, when he was trying to steer someone away from one thing to something else, there was a lot of, well, why are you fucking ask me? And like that sort of shit. Jesus Christ. And I'm like, oh my God, these you're a 45 year old man. Oh no, these were like, like there was maybe, there were maybe two other people who were under 30. Oh, Everyone God, else. People who were old enough to know better. Yeah. It was should intense. be old enough to know better. Well, no, but the thing mm. is, is, you're outside of the classroom context. You kind of forget how to engage in that sort of conversation. It was weird. Everybody it was intense. It was really. Are you intense. having a good time though yourself? I, I'm learning. It's a good time. It's made. Me, I was really intimidated by it actually because it's actually technically one workshop that's part of three other workshops. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are taking all three, and I'm just taking the one because I, I, I. It's my first time with this institute, and I want to try it out before I invest any more time into it. And um, so I was really nervous because like, what if all, all the other kids are taking other class together? What if they're all friends? Like, I don't want anyone to talk to. Boop, boop, boop. That's really cool. You're taking class though. It was I always, I always have a lot of respect for people who got out of the way just to take a class about anything because it's it's really easy to be lazy and just not do anything oh, yeah. and entertain yourself and not really kind of get up off your ass and like take class in something. It doesn't yeah. have to be anything life changing, but just yeah. going out there and just trying to broaden your skill set or your horizons or whatever. Yeah. That's always really cool. Yeah. The building it's in is also intense. Because it's like built in 1906 and awkwardly turned into a um, Where is this? office building. It's an old town, so it's like okay. between first and second. But it's um uh so which for non Portlanders um the closer you get to the river the skeezier it gets. It's like it's <laughs> maybe a lot of cities actually maybe That's what within is like. a four mile or should be a four block radius there are easily at least twenty to twenty five homeless assistants yeah. sorts of things. That's where all the homeless go and all that sort of stuff. So you know. That's pretty cool. Like, but it's, it's an how many classes have you taken? Just the one class? Just the one. And then okay. it's a two-part class. Okay. But so still, depending that, on that how, it goes, how much was it expensive? Like a couple hundred bucks? It was $100. Oh, that's not bad so, at all. Yeah. So yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's really, I'm learning a lot. So it's funny because I've been doing video stuff for the past year and a half without any knowledge whatsoever. I've been winging it all along. And yeah, this really funny yourself. thing, like um, the teacher's like, yeah, so make sure you turn off auto white balance. I'm like, you son of a bitch. It's <laughs> something I've struggled with. And I never, I've looked through my controls on my camera, yeah. but I could never figure it out. And I find, he explained it. And I was like, no, no something that freaked me out was the guys uh, with the, this, going back to the sun with the uh, uh, transit of Venus thing. Yeah. Uh, they were talking to, uh, NASA had a great fucking live feed all day yesterday while mm-hmm. the transit of Venus was going on, and they were talking to a bunch of, uh, uh, scientists in Hawaii who were, you know, like, just, just, uh, the, the scientists who were tracking the transit of Venus and stuff, and these guys were singing fucking songs, they were singing They Might Be Giant songs, mm-hmm. just kind of like, these are funny scientists are fucking around yeah, and stuff. Yeah, having fun. Um, I completely forgot what my point is. <laughs> it was something about something about these guys were doing. A fun about fact. Cameras or oh, this guy was talking about how uh, he was the only one there who he was talking about. Once you get past like thirty or something like that, your eyes get old enough that you no longer can see pure white. Hmm. And he was the only one there who his eyes were quote unquote young enough, yeah, in order to see pure white enough to like something about how to calibrate these cameras that were mm. actually photographing the sun. Mm-hmm. And that's why they actually specifically need young people, not for any skill set, but for their eyeballs. <laughs> and he was the last person on the, on the island who could do this. And uh, he was just talking about how, yeah, your eyes just, your, what you think is pure white actually becomes yellow. And that actually it. fucks up, like, uh, calibrating camera stuff yeah. when it comes to really fine-tuned spectrometer kind of stuff. Are you ready for a no, science I was like, oh my God, I was like, my, oh, my, I was like, oh my, my eyeballs yellow? 
No, it just that, that was a weird fact. It just kind of freaked me out a little The bit. science fact that I learned this week is actually really helpful. Yeah? Um, I know about Kelvin ratings because Kelvin ratings are important when you're talking about light bulbs. Yeah. Because, um, like, your standard warm white light bulb is, like, about 2,700K, whereas full spectrum is trying to get close to daylight, which is, like, 5,600K, Okay. would say. And so I, I've never really understood what those numbers meant. And uh, my teacher... And I vaguely knew it was actual temperature, but I didn't really know about it. My teacher explained to me that... Um, the progression from, like, one unit Kelvin to another is the exact same as a progression between one unit Celsius and another. Uh-huh. So from one to two Celsius, it's the same kind of progression as from one to two Kelvin in terms of scale. Yeah. It's not so, on a bell curve or anything like no, that. No, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So, um, uh, zero degrees Kelvin is the, what did you say? It's the temperature at which molecules can't stop moving. Wow. Like, that is how cold zero degrees Kelvin is. Which is really helpful, so I'm like, which makes sense, because that means, like, 2700 Kelvin is super hot, because when you get, um, when you um, have more heat, you have more energy, and energy turns yeah. into light. So, it was really helpful. There's your science facts. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, again, with the transit of Venus stuff, they were talking about, like, who was the guy? There's a science guy. <laughs> There's only one of them, so this Shit is Shit got question. fucked up by his optical illusion. It's not that interesting. <laughs> I can go on. <laughs> It would just turn into five minutes of me going, like, there was this guy, he tried to do this thing, and there's this teardrop thing, we're fucked up science for 105 years. Anyway, but yeah. Uh, oh my god, they have plush Battlestar Galactica spaceships now? What? Uh, I just got an email from uh, QMX Insider. This is the company that does all the license, like Firefly and, mm-hmm. and Battlestar Galactica props and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they have just announced the plush uh, Viper and Raider uh, spaceship toy set. It's a huggable uh, colonial viper and a Cylon Raider. That looks actually pretty cute. That is breaking news here on the Boy Howdy <laughs> Podcast. I literally just got that email. Anyway, uh, should we take a break? Sure. We'll take yeah. a break and come back and talk about the Geek Week in review. Yeah! Okay, we're back after spending uh, ten minutes looking at <laughs> looking at pictures of uh, uh, Cora's boobs on the internet. Well, Bill informed me during our break that um, there's apparently a big kerfuffle in Cora. Fandom. I guess not even a big one, but like uh, uh, Carly speaking, Neil pointed me to this. There is a kerfuffle among some Legend of Cora fans about how big uh, Cora's tits are, and if maybe they're too big for such an athletic lady. Which that this is just that's a that's nature that you can't change it. But this is like her, her tits. Well, it's a character shot design. Shot the shot is character yeah. design. But it's and we're like. <sighs> so we yeah we went internet we spent like ten minutes talking about this. So which is yeah, Dyna- to me. dynamics of sexual. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let's look at the geek week in review. Oh God. So what happened the this week? Though? Internet. 
What did ha- wait, 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 what part of the podcast is this? <laughs> this is the game I'm just trying to cleanse my brain from all the naked core <laughs> I just saw. I just, uh, anyway, um, uh, so the big Ray thing, Bradbury died Ray yesterday. Ray Bradbury, man. Did you ever read any Ray Bradbury? I have, like, every good American citizen read 1984. What'd you think? That's, that's oh, not, I'm sorry, I meant, um, I meant, um, burnt, um, fucking, um, goddamn, Fahrenheit, don't, not, not Fahrenheit. Flatulence. There we go. Jesus Christ. There's numbers in it. <laughs> You know, all the I've never numbers. read that. I've read some of some of his short stories. I think that's actually the only Ray. Bradbury I stepped I've on his read. foot at Comic Con about ten years ago. Really? Yeah, it was. You uh, killed he... him, Bill. He's slowly <laughs> been bleeding internally. My clot. Uh, he was. Uh, he was stopping by Scott McCloud's table, and I was hanging out with Scott, and uh, he stopped by, and like it was one of those things where I took a step back from Scott's table, and he was standing right behind me, and yeah, I didn't like crush his foot or anything like that, but I turned around, and like Scott was like, I think it was Scott's table, mm-hmm. and Scott was like, Oh, hey, Bill. Uh, Ray, this is Bill. Bill, this is Ray. And I'm like, Ray? And he's like, yeah, Ray Bradbury. And I was like, oh my god, Ray was, Ray Bradbury was this young lady handler. Yeah. It was kind of an interesting thing. Oh, the And Halloween I was so tree. flabbergasted. That's what, that's what I that's wanted to point out. That's the Ray Bradbury book that I love. Because Annie tree. introduced me to the Halloween tree. Not the book, but the TV special we watched last Halloween. Well, I, I made you watch the TV special, but I But he narrates book. that, too. Yeah, well, he wrote the book. Yeah. The book is a, it's my one of my favorite books when I was a kid. So that means Jack got his soul pumpkin. That's what <laughs> happened to him to J, Ray Bradbury. Has anyone? I've never heard of the uh, the Halloween tree until Annie yeah told me about it this last Halloween. Is anyone else listening? That do they have have they read the Halloween tree? I think we talked about it during our Halloween podcast. If you're listening to this, click your hands, snap your fingers. <laughs> right here. Um, Wish real hard. The terrible thing is, I I, I thought he was already dead. I did. It's too. one of those things too because he was so old that yeah. I was like, man. It's kind of like that's why Edward you just Gorey. kind of assume. Yeah, everybody assumed Edward Gorey is dead. I feel like but, a terrible person, but God bless him. Right, Dude right. had a really, really hell of a legacy, and he's working right up until the finish line. He had a piece show up in the New Yorker just this week, so. God bless him. He wrote good stuff. The, the excerpts. He was of, a good writer. This, this, I think I might actually try to track some more of his stuff down because I loved his, what I've read of his writing was a very kind of a slice of Americana, but not yeah. in a corn pone way, yeah. but it was just very kind of honest, stripped down, evocative, yeah. just kind of myst- mysterious writing. He wrote an episode of Twilight Zone, which was pretty terrible though. <laughs> but is that aside? We've all done some shitty stuff for pay, haven't Ray, we? Ray, I'm sorry I stepped on your foot. Dill, don't tell me you've been proud of everything you've ever drawn for money. No. <laughs> I drew a naked Ray Bradbury sucking on course tips. So moving on, <laughs> one great thing that came out titty today. Bending. Stop it! You should have seen the delight in Bill's eyes when he said titty bending. What bend? Titty bend? Labia blend? You could cock blend too. Bend does that matter? Well, all women can technically cock bend. <laughs> that's that, that. That's how. Half the strife that's ever happened in the human race is cock bending. Anyway, the Wreck It Ralph trailer came out. You know what? That made my cock bend. (laughs) Wreck It Ralph was not really on my radar. I knew about it, but I had not actually seen any stills from it or pursued anything about it. I didn't know that it was John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, Jack McBrayer, and Jane Lynch. Which one's Jack McBrayer? Jack McBrayer. Oh, from Thirty Rock. He plays Kenneth. He plays the. He plays Mario. To I Ralph's didn't realize there Donkey were going to be Kong. real characters in this thing until they published like the first screenshot from the movie, the yeah. first uh, image, yeah. and yeah, it had, it had like a 
It had some. It had like Hubert, the Hubert yeah. characters. That's what it was. I had no I idea like the fact that it's going to be Toy Story for video games. Yeah, that's great. Like Zangief is in his support group. And yeah, goes. and actually the main character, voiced by John C. Riley, yeah. he, like is obviously he's kind of like Donkey Kong. Yeah. If Donkey Kong were human, but, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's that could be. It's not Pixar, but it is Disney. It, yeah. So it could still be very cute. Well, our friend Cleo Chang is currently working at Walt Disney Animation. Oh, so she probably had a hand. I in don't this. think she's super. I th- I know she's in their storyboards department. You, I don't know. Do how you know well if she's she in her in their feature? film i think i know she worked on the winnie the pooh movie oh and I think really she's involved, i have no idea i, I still haven't seen that either that came out a year ago i think she's involved in the short they're playing before it i'm not sure how she's involved with yeah, she was, man, but anyway, i i the only thing i i i am not anticipating about rocket ralph is the belly aching from video game fans about like zangief shouldn't sound that way but that's you're gonna get that from yeah it's just exciting i think this is the first time we've had like a that sort of like video game sort of humor but for the mainstream yeah that's interesting that's good for video games in general just yeah. like yeah that kind of and that jane lynch is like the gears of war like character is well, she's kind of like half gears of war half like samus iron from metroid yeah. a little bit like yeah i'm, I'm like, really Aw. excited about that Man, it looks cute as balls. Yeah, I really yeah. look up the Wreck-It Ralph trailer. It looks cute Man, as hell. I, I, it's to the point where I don't want to get too excited because I don't well, want to yeah. get disappointed. Yeah. I would almost rather just pretend it doesn't exist and it comes out and be like pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Because there's only so many video game jokes you can make. Everyone's going to be freaking out That's about which, ca- which cameos are going to be in the movie or Literally, not. Literally the entire internet is proof that there are many video game jokes It's going to be make. the Roger Rabbit thing where if you don't have like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario yeah. like beating the crap out of everyone's going to be like, oh my god, that's my impression of the entire video game after E3 this week that is my impression of the entire video game industry this week uh, speaking of uh, wait should we are we going in order let's go for it uh... <laughs> fine I'll read it there were <laughs> so apparently I'm terrible reading stuff I don't give a shit but um, two uh, mediocre episodes of Star Trek and the Next Generation will be screened on in theaters on July 23rd the night before the season one Blu-rays come out uh, yeah everyone got really excited when they found out that they were gonna like yeah show two HD versions of Star Trek the Next Generation episodes in, in, in theaters as Annie just said I don't know why I'm suddenly contemplating <laughs> everything oh yeah the night before the Blu-rays come out in July until they found out which episodes they were and they are the two of the lamest ass to be granted the first episode the first season of Star Trek the Next generation is fucking terrible it took a good two or three years for that show to find its legs but the two episodes it's not even like the pilot which would be kind of interesting to see on the big screen it's just two random episodes that no one cares about and everyone's anticipation went from oh my god that's great news to even the almost hardcore star trek fans are like oh well maybe that night i'll just i'll just get ready for the party i'll have the next day when my friends come over and we watch the episodes yeah. that we want to watch in the in the in our own home, but yeah, so that's happening. But that's cool. I'm glad to see you know. You think they would have done like some sort of nerd pandering thing, like a vote, like a yeah, fan or something vote. like that? Yeah, but I'm glad it's happening. But it does seem to be kind of just whatever, just off the cuff, whatever. It's, I'm not gonna complain. It's just kind of silly. Um, someone is actually making a journey to the center of the Hawkthorn game, which is the game from one of the latest episodes of Community. Oh, really? There's a, a whole episode of Community where the characters are. They don't get sucked into a video game, but the whole episode is a video game-based episode. Yeah. Where it's pretty much told from a video game screen with all the characters interacting and stuff. And uh, someone's actually making that game into a real game that you can now download. If you just, like, uh, uh, just Google Journey to the Center of Hawkthorn Download, you can mm-hmm. find it. And uh, they've only put together the first two stages. Yeah. But all the characters in there, there's a bunch of unlockable characters. Uh, the Breda Squirrel and Sexy Vampire skins are worth just checking out just by themselves. There's uh, Breda... 
She dresses like a squirrel, and you can play as her. And there's sexy vampire. I guess, true. It's Don Glover, just with toilet paper on his arms. <laughs> but you play as the, all these weird-ass characters from Community they yeah. were, that weren't even in the episode. That's nice. And, uh, yeah, like, they're, they're slowly updating the game. The game. They just, uh, uh, just, they just put in the town stage from the episode. But you can't go into... You can't go into any of the buildings, so you can't see any of the characters that, the, that our hero is murdered in the TV show. But, hey, Community is fun. You should give it a try sometime. Nope. Why? Because I enjoy being the person who hasn't watched Community. <sighs> give Bob's Burgers a try. Again, I finished, finally finished the first season of Bob's Burgers. I know Brent has been hounding you about it, and mm -hmm. the first couple episodes are kind of, the fuck is this? Bob's Burgers is really good, though. It's funny. It's it's the rare uh, TV animated comedy where, like, the parents kind of hang out and have fun with their kids without mm -hmm. being, like, the put-upon parents and... The humor's not, like, that ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's kind of, as heartwarming as it can be and still be a Fox cartoon. What got me kind of interested about it was Brennan told me that it's it's actually the rare animated series where everybody is in the room recording their voice together. Yeah, you can totally tell because the way everyone's uh, bouncing off of each other. Yeah. Like, like, sometimes you'll have, like, Kirsten Schaal and the guy who plays Archer from Archer. He plays the dad. He plays Bob from Bob's Burgers. Yeah, John H. Benjamin. Uh, like, they'll, like, they'll suddenly, like, kind of snort and laugh and stuff in a way that, like, is obviously, like, something, like, I don't know what they were actually doing in the recording booth, but they yeah. turned into a thing on the show where it's just, yeah. like, kind of a cute... And they're playing family members, which is actually kind of like, oh, it's a cute show. But it's also still funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the King of the Hill used to be. I will watch it at some point, but now I have so much Good Wife and Justified to consume. Man, you have the Orchard Center, at least that leaves you, you a hole in your schedule. You there can fill a, with Bob's there Burgers. There is a 45 minutes. <laughs> just saying. Schedule. Yeah. That I can, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm suddenly going off on Bob's Burgers, but it's anyway, so man. Man, so E3 was this week, and it was great just because Monday oh, I. Oh, God, um, yeah. If you don't like video games, you might want to fast forward about <laughs> 20 minutes on the podcast. So E3 started, like, the first panel pretty much started right at the start of my work day on Monday. Oh, uh, so yeah, yeah. So, and then I was, I was at work all day and then I had a class that night and I didn't get to read about anything until about 9.30 at night. So, but during my, my first, my lunch break, I was feverishly on my touch trying to read anything that had happened. Well, Monday was Microsoft and Sony. Uh -huh. That was actually all of because it was all everything was, but Nintendo and Nintendo yeah. was Tuesday, yeah. But the best part is I'm feverishly, and people keep trying to talk to me and I'm like, no, 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 video games. And then I had to awkwardly explain to people what E3 was. Trying to explain to people what E3 was is without sounding like an idiot is very difficult. So yeah. It's where they tell you what's coming out in the next it's, year. It's like a media conference about the upcoming, you know, video games. And yeah, they don't usually tell you the price, but they kind of lie to you, but it's, then they show a trailer. It's, yeah, we don't necessarily get to see gameplay, it's more concepts. And then I have Usher come out, and he sings and dances, and you have to patiently wait for that to stop, and then they talk about, well, then you think they're going to talk about the Vita, but they don't talk about the Vita, and you realize the Vita's going to be dead. <laughs> that's the three. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, man, so are you going to buy a Vita even though that yes. Assassin's Creed game is going to be the only game you ever played? Yes. Because people were shocked because the Vita's not doing well. No. As bad as the 3DS has been doing, it's doing better. Yeah. Uh, it's been crushing the shit out of the Vita both in America and in Japan. And the fact that Sony, had, you know, they have a big, this is their big press conference of the year and they didn't say shit about the Vita. They didn't yeah. even talk about this Assassin's Creed game, which is coming out exclusive to the Vita. Yeah. Man. I have to admit, I will buy a Vita. I will buy Assassin's Creed Liberation just because I want to be a check mark in the column no, for. Not, I would be tempted if there's. Can a... I finish, motherfucker? Here, here, you I'm gonna hold the goddamn health potion, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna be a check mark in the column for female assassins. Was Daniel? Was he the one who mentioned that there's a bundle? That yeah. He announced? I will buy Does the bundle. How much that is? 
No, it's going to be $500. Does it have like a pirate thing? You know, so I didn't even see the details of this game. So you're going to play a pirate assassin? No. Who's a female? No. In she New wears Orleans? a tricorn hat. That's all. <laughs> I thought she was a pirate. She's not a pirate. What is she then? She's a lady. Is she Dracula? <laughs> yes. What ethnicity is she? Is she black? She is a Creole. <gasps> so she is black. <laughs> So no, she, you play How many a, pirates are in newer. Wait, what year is this? It's it's actually before. Uh, excuse me. It's set after um, Assassin's Creed. Right? Yeah, I think it's like what happened because that's when the big eighty six or something <gasps> like that. So that's like uh, Interview the Vampire. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm ex- it looks like looking at the screens. My favorite it looks book. Silly, but genuinely, I, I have played. A lot of the terrible portable Assassin's Creed games, just because I love playing Assassin's Creed games so much. Yeah, and I don't. I may not even play it. I just want to be the the dollar sign that fills out the column that votes I'm for more female see. assassins. Yeah, uh, I wonder who's putting that game together. It's um, one of their PSP development crews. Like well, I looked, saw, I looked up at them. You, there's no reason to suspect why it, it's going to be a terrible game either. I did look up this team, and I can't remember. Is what it else coming out in October? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. I'll play it. I I gotta admit, I'll I'll play it. I really the, I liked I owned a PSP. I liked our PSP. However, I realized um my problem with the PSP was I liked it for all the reasons that I liked my touch. I'm like, wow, this is a thing where I can browse the internet in bed and I can download podcasts and listen to music. Well, that's that's what happened to a lot of people. Just in the last couple of years, a lot of their portable devices like their DS and, and PSP have been already usurped by yeah. Uh, smartphones and tablets yeah. and stuff. So that's I mean, why the, the 3DS PSP, and the Vita aren't doing that well. The these PSP days. was the first thing I had that could do that, and I used the fuck out of it for a long time. But as soon as I got a touch, it was like you know. I think our PSP is currently in our kitchen in a bag with all of its games to give to someone. It is a black lady collecting dust. What Her did mom. I say, motherfucker? She's a Creole. I don't know how much Creole cause she could be. But it's a black lady pirate. Her name is Aveline. She's not a pirate. Oh, so it's also going to be like, what's a Disney movie? Princess and Frog. Except she's going to be stabbing the shit out of guys before they can get turned into frogs. Yes, Bill. It's a story set in, in jazz era in New Orleans. She invents jazz. That's the last thing in the game. My fa- Actually, my favorite video game <laughs> Her last, world. when she dies at the end of the game, she oh. she ends up getting stabbed. She grabs onto a sax- saxophone and she's like, Louis Armstrong. <laughs> Toot. Toot. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite video game in the world set New Orleans is, of course, Gabriel Knight. Oh, that was New Orleans? Yeah, that's it. Man, not not a lot of games get to take place in New Orleans. Not really. Are we pronouncing it correctly? Because I'm surprised. Well, you were born in Louisiana. Yeah. Someone's going to be. I was six months old when I left. Is it? Yeah, Yeah, okay. Because I don't want to pronounce it New Orleans. Yeah, she's a pirate, Bill. She's the daughter of a wealthy French merchant and an African uh, bride. Yeah. African bride? Well, this word Someone's I don't know. Mom. Plus That's a slave. Place. No, that sounds cool. Um, yeah, no price or anything like that. Well, I there's a trailer for it that's kind of great because there's like a, this kind of shutter shot sort of thing, and um, it yeah. shows her dressed in different costumes. So it's like, well, fuck girls. Well, fuck you. No, but like, there's like a commoner dress and like a fancy lady dress, and I was like, oh, man. if disguises are actually part of the game. That's that not the just the skin, but yeah. I don't know, man. I'm I will give it a shot. I am so an Assassin's Creed game with a lady assassin. That's something I've been, literally been asking for since Assassin's Creed One. I'm glad you're finally getting it. So yeah, I'm curious to see what its connection to the larger canon is, and I'm probably reading too much into it because I don't even think the main games were that worried about the canon anymore. That 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 that's gone off the rails. Yeah. But it will be curious to see how they try to slot it in, though. 
Yeah. Um, and did you see the trailer for Assassin's Creed 3, though? Yeah. The main game. I didn't realize that looks like it's going to take place mostly in the uh, outdoors. You, which makes sense you because you're not reading a, anything about it. I know. Well, I've intentionally gone out of my way. But, like, that, I, that's. Well, everyone Jumping was, through the trees and shit. Everyone was wondering how you're going to do all the climbing stuff. You, you know, because the tallest building in Boston, aside from, like, clock towers and stuff, is only going to be, like. Everyone who's been saying three... that has not been looking at anything about Assassin's Creed because the first thing you see in the fucking first trailer is him jumping through trees. It sounds like Red Dead, though, because then you're killing animals and you're taking the animal meat and trading it with dudes and stuff like that. Like That becomes, like, a, like a thing. It makes sense that that'd be part of, like... Yeah, there's no reason why to be randomly killing animals. Why, I mean, they have the, to make that a reason why the you're biggest, doing that. Well, you know, you have to have money. Yeah. And it makes sense that you're not going to buy land and you're not necessarily going to buy buildings. Well, I mean, I guess you can. They yeah. can add that in. But, but man, it, just being able to explore, just like, yeah. run through the treetops and shit like that, one of the things that, sounds, the Assassin's that could Creed, be fun. One of the things the, Assassin, the first Assassin's Creed game in particular had a problem with was you had these open regions in between the cities, but you had no compelling empty, yeah. you had no compelling reason to go to them. Like there were flags there. Yeah, you knew it was kind of like Templars ride a horse. out there. Yeah, I mean it was a big environment, but I, I explored it because I wanted to get all my towers and because my and every Assassin's Creed game the very first thing I do is I sit down I'm like okay what viewpoints can I find I go yeah. and find them and then once I exhaust that then I'll progress the but story. But this looks like it might be one of the first games to come out in Red Dead's Rake Awake that really kind of like taps into that Red Dead yeah. kind of like you're Which, out yeah. There's going to be some towns. I mean, there were some towns in Red Dead, too, but, like, mostly it's... I am the audience to say an Assassin's Creed game. You you put Red Dead in my Assassin's Creed. You put Assassin's Creed in my Red Dead. I'm the sort of... It's really cool because I like the fact that it's it, because it's jumping years, you're going to have different seasons and stuff. Because yeah. they showed, like, you know, there's summertime, springtime, yeah. winter, all the snow stuff, even the sound effects of the walking through the snow with the crunching of the snow and stuff. And I sounds know, really authentic. I know I was cynical in the past about it, not how mad I was that it was not a female, mostly because of their lame ass reason for not yeah. being a female. But um, it was cool to see a non white protagonist in a video game. Yeah. Like, to have a Native American. When was the last time you Well, technically, of... what? Who was the antagonist in the previous game? Dude, he was Italian. Or did, you mean Desmond? Did you ever see True Romance? That racist tirade about Italians? No, Sicilians. Should I don't I, remember it. Should I reenact this racist <laughs> tirade on the radio? Please don't. Please <laughs> anyway, don't. If actually. you see True Romance, you realize what I'm talking about. But I mean, about, like, not, but... like, to have it not, I should say, no, it, I don't like, a non Caucasian yeah. looking dude. And the fact that, like, you're getting two, and, like, even with the yeah. Vita game, even more that you get, you've got, well, half, well, half cool. black. But... I mean, she's Creole. Yeah, it's, Creole. It's really cool. It's just neat. I'm excited. Especially in the, wake, in the wake of E3, what other non. <laughs> non-white male protagonist can you think of like, any of those like, games? Uh, like, most of the games that were unveiled at E3 this year were first-person shooters, naturally. They're all military first-person shooters, but they're all, all you're playing this whitey well, white guy blowing away brown people left think and about right the every timing. fucking game. We are seeing, uh, arguably, we are seeing the first games to have fully been, they're all development during a recession. Yeah. These are, by definition, the games that are not risks. Well, also, we're so late into this console th- th- cycle that no one wants to develop games with new assets. Everyone's just trying to recycle assets and stuff from before. So, like, that makes sense why everything's a sequel now, and it's all first-impression shooters. See, and it's I all, would say it's generally, it, no one can afford to take risks right now. Yeah. These are, these are, everyone looked at their projects four or five years ago. I think it gets a combination of the economy and just simply, like, this is what happens when you get to the end of a console cycle. Yeah. They, things just get regurgitated into oblivion. That's what I thought was really interesting about the Sony presser and the Xbox presser. It was kind of a mix of, we're catering to the most obvious mainstream gamer, and then we're catering to the mainstream. Yeah. You know? Because there's that dichotomy. Like There's no E3, wacky niche games or anything like no, that. No, there's yeah. nothing in between. It was like either we're trying to get to the male, white, 
you know, gamer mm-hmm. yeah. who wants to play shooters, or we want something. Your mom wants to be able to play her music playlist on her Xbox. But at the same time, if you're looking for wacky like indie development, like kind of crazy ideas, E3 all that is not stuff the is idea it, for. It, but yeah, but that's all that's all out there. But it's with indie games and yeah. independent games, and like that stuff's going to show up on Steam and stuff. It's not going to be something you're going to see. Oh yeah, E3 is E3. not the place for that. Um, but it was just it was just interesting. But yeah, I, the whole smart glass thing. I, because uh, I have to admit, like, I could pretend to be cynical about it, and I know Foley was, but Apple TV she has was cynical changed. About it? Well, she was like, I don't care. I have an Apple TV. That's which not, is valid. That's not the same thing, but though. It's, you know, this but, is doing a different thing. But, it, well, the thing, her point was, and I don't think this is necessarily wrong, why do I care about all this? Well, if you own an Apple TV, it's definitely less of an interesting thing. Because, I mean, the Apple TV did change my life. It did. Because the way I consume my TV. Oh, shows yeah, it has with shit, mine, too. That's, that's like, why, I, if I know anyone with it, like, who, yeah, I, I'm a huge proponent of the Apple TV thing, because if yeah. you watch a lot of digital content, you need an Apple TV. Sure. Yeah. Do you want me to be quieter? No, I'm sorry. Wait, oh, I forgot we only have one mic this year. <laughs> or this this week. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Anyway, but yeah, no, the, all of the augmented, and I had to keep reminding myself that this is just them pitching what it can do, not necessarily yeah, what it Yeah, who knows when it's going to come out and what's actually real functionality is going to be. But all like the augmented movie stuff and the augmented television stuff and the augmented gaming stuff, I'm not necessarily interested in. Yeah. I don't know what they're I, I think that's going to be something that like is a big thing they pumped it, uh, they pimped out at this uh, E3, but I yeah, think that's going to be something gonna that no one's really going to, even if it does come to fruition, I think everyone's going to realize how kind of stupid, like, oh, I'm watching Game of Thrones, and now I can see where on the map of Game of Thrones they really are. Yeah. That's not a bad thing, but, like, that's kind of distracting. The idea that you may be able to push content from your iPad out to your Xbox. That's what was cool. And that kind of shit. That's the, 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 the yeah, the actual. That's the moment. Literally, like, changing how you uh, uh, browse for content and yeah. watch that shit and push stuff around. That's the interesting thing. Not, what I thought was not, the coolest yeah. part of that whole presentation was when he said, we are basically just capitalizing on things you already own. Yeah. That's the smart thing. I am shocked that that can work with uh, Apple devices. Yeah. That blew me away. Because big companies like Microsoft, they're known for their thing where they'll come up with an interesting piece of technology, but yeah. they'll, they'll try to justify people buying their technology by making it exclusive yeah. to their stuff. They want to silo that shit. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like fucking Apple TV. Like, the reason why Apple TV works so well in my house is that I have a Mac computer, yeah. I have an Apple TV, my wife has an iPad, and I have a Touch. But that, at the same time, if you if you don't have Apple stuff at home, the Apple TV is not going to be worth anything to you. Well, yeah. I mean, but it's yeah. only because only I have that whole family of products. Yeah. Whereas as, but the fact know, that this works with both, like I can use my I- iPad with Apple TV and yeah. with my Xbox, that would yeah. be fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm pumped. That 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 and aspect that, of it is cool. That totally eats Nintendo's launch, or at least a big part yeah. of Nintendo. Because so part, so much of the uniqueness of the Wii U is like, oh, we got this thing with two screens. And granted, with the Wii U, you're actually playing games with yeah. the second screen. It is a control. With the smart glass stuff, it's still it'll make your smartphone or your tablet just kind of. You, you can use it's it with your Xbox, but yeah, it's, it's still more peripheral, but you're not going to be playing, or at least unless they update it or unless the functionality gets a lot more interesting for the next generation Xbox when they're it's unveiled next year. Yeah, you're not going to be playing or controlling games. You might be able to browse like Xbox Live or something at well, the Well, I don't know. But... I don't know if you've heard, if you paid attention to this part of the thing, and no. I was there was a bit where it was like, motherfuckers, don't make me get a Windows phone. They did say that they were going to have some, they were going to have Xbox Live on the Windows phone, and you'd be able to play games and Earn achievement points on your phone. 
Who knows if that'll actually happen? Because yeah. Microsoft is famous for always for saying, saying stuff and like whether or not that actually happens. Well, I mean, obviously thing. you're not going to be but playing that's, yeah, Xbox no, that's... games. Well, they already have. Well, you could be playing stuff like even like Shadow Complex, maybe yeah. some things like well, that. Well, they and they have ex they have games on Xbox.com in their Xbox thing. Oh, like they? I don't know okay. if you ever noticed that they're web games. It's like no. fucking Bejeweled and stuff, and you don't earn so achievement not... points oh, for it. Man. But that's a thin thin that line, my friend. That's good. That's a good idea, Microsoft. That's an actual good idea for Microsoft. I hope this is not something. I hope this is something they actually pursue, pursue, and let evolve. Yeah. Because this could become like a relatively. It's not. I don't think it's going to become their next connect or anything like that. But if they really kind of kept with this, this because so many people have smartphones and tablets right now. Yeah. That'll be a big justification for people to. Yeah. To invest in an Xbox, knowing that that that, that, yeah. that stuff actually just works just yeah. in in any way with their Xbox is kind of a unique kind of interesting. Well, what thing. what what when what Xbox has been Man. doing, and one of the reasons why they're winning is this whole idea of you know expanding what this device is, and that's why they're eating Nintendo's lunch and they're eating the PlayStation's lunch because yeah. like the PlayStation has always had a web browser, it has Netflix too, but like the Xbox has always been trying to get in front of this, the idea of being like an entertainment center. Yeah, they want to be your single solution for entertainment in the living yeah. room. And they're, I, when they first mentioned that they wanted the Xbox 360, when they first unveiled the Xbox 360 like six or seven years ago, I thought that was all just bullshit talk and I didn't think it was ever going to happen. A video game console becoming... Yeah, the 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 nexus of inter- living room entertainment. Yeah. And the fact they're actually poised to make not may, not you know the Xbox isn't going to become the nexus of entertainment for everyone's living room. No, but for a decent number of people who are gamers, that that yeah. could kind of happen. Before I got my Apple TV, it was what if I was going to rent anything, I would rent it on my Xbox. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they're they're kind of poised. But yeah, no, that's a little bit. It is different from the Wii U because, like I said, Wii U are actually playing games. On that tablet, but at the yeah. same time, I don't think you're gonna have like, the, like in terms of watching stuff, yeah. you're not gonna have that interesting thing. The things you can do with the, the... and well, the, the fact that like the Xbox is gonna work with the tablets you already own, and like yeah. you can take that stuff out of the living room with the, yeah. with the Wii U. The moment you get away from your TV, like the connection gets interrupted. Yeah, and I don't know. It's just man, Nintendo. I so can let's go talk off about, about Nintendo is fucked. Well, let's talk but... about the Nintendo. I did not do anything with the Nintendo presser at all, just because I heard kind of what happened, and there was nothing there that was interesting to me. So what did actually happen? Nintendo, Nintendo came Xbox? out and they did not reveal a price or a release date for the Wii U. Did they not? Huh? They did not. Man, things were... Oh, man. It was, it was just... It was actually... It started off actually very well in Nintendo's press conference because it came out... It started with this great video of uh-huh. Shigeru Miyamoto getting ready for the press conference. Yeah. Uh, him getting ready and, like, Pikmin are help, like running around helping him really? get dressed and stuff like that. It was... And everyone was like, oh. oh, this is actually... This is a perfect antidote to all the, like, first-person blood and guts mayhem from all yeah. the other press conferences up till then. Yeah. And he, then he came out on stage, but he had little Pikmin's... His little feather heads was sticking out of his pocket or his little yeah. uh, leaf, leaf head. It was all everyone was like, oh, it's so cute. And they showed mm-hmm. off a lot of Pikmin, and everyone's like, oh, the game looks so great, blah, blah, blah. And from there, it just went... Everyone loved that, and but then they brought out how about how uh, one of the first launch titles for the Wii U is going to be Batman, and that did not necessarily look that great, and yeah. all the games they started pumping out were... Started talking about the Wii U were just kind of like, con- like year-old console ports... And or just a bunch of third person, uh, third party games that no one cared about, and it's just like they, they really didn't talk about anything that interested the shit out of anybody until the very end yeah. of the press conference. Nintendo announced this called thing called Nintendo Land, which they kept on harping on for like last like twenty five minutes of the, of oh, the really? press conference, which is just a collection of mini games like Wii Sports. 
But they did not say that this is going to be a pack-in for the Wii U or anything like that. That sounds like Nintendo's mm -hmm. considering this to be a separate thing that you're going to have to buy separately. Like, maybe the Wii U may not have a pack-in game like it did with the original Wii and Wii U Sports, which is going to be a huge huh. mistake. Yeah. Um, They've done that every, every console, haven't they? Uh, did the GameCube have a pack-in game? The no, Nintendo, Nintendo 64 and the GameCube didn't. No, the fact that the Wii here, uh, the Wii, the original Wii in the States had a packing game, that was the first time Nintendo had done that since, I believe... Was Did Super Mario World come with the, the Super Nintendo back in the day? I think I it did. Rem, I think it may have. I think have. it did. Uh, if it, I don't remember buying it. Because most you know, Nintendos had Super Mario Brothers, the yeah. NES. Uh, but, yeah, this would be really weird if they didn't have a pack-in game. Uh, yeah. For the Wii U, but everything else aside, was the uh, Nintendo didn't talk about how powerful the system was, mm. and this is the fucking thing that killed everyone. Was it really later came out that uh, we uh, the specs for the Wii system got supposedly got leaked yesterday, and everyone mm. was kind of took that with a grain of salt. It turns out uh, it sounds like a lot of journalists talking to people behind the scenes at E3 have uncovered. It sounds like uh, the Wii really is only going to be slightly more powerful than the Xbox 360. Mm -hmm. Meaning they have invented uh, Nintendo's so next console. It's going to be the Wii again, where it's only going to be hmm. the cutting edge technology until Seven next year. Ago. Yeah, yeah. The, the, at least at least the Wii U is going to be in HD. Mm. That's and something. Nintendo did announce that you'll be able to transfer supposedly all of your content, that all the games and everything you've bought from the original Wii over to the Wii U. Huh. But it's only it's gonna it's already doomed to be just another Nintendo game machine. There's no, unless Nintendo can convince some third party developers to make like really kind of like low budget kind of like experimental mm. fun little fluffy games for it. It's you're not going to see any ports of any next generation games going to come to the Wii U. It's mm. exactly what happened to the original Wii. And that's the moment where everyone's just like, "Oh shit!" And that this is all stuff that didn't happen at the press press conference. This is this is. Huh. See, but they could get away with it, the Wii because, like, with the Wii, they kind of stepped away from mainstream gamers. Yeah, but well, they exactly, stepped yeah. into the mainstream, and the mainstream didn't care about how powerful that system yeah. was. But now, what are they, they? There's nothing there for the mainstream. They have a controller that is more confounding than the Wii was because the Wii the whole idea of the Wii was you pick yeah. it up and you play, and that's you, yeah. that's whatever. Now you have this kind of touch screen that's still not as uh that's not as useful as an ipod or a, a, a ipad or iphone screen because it's not even that kind of touch screen where it's yeah. multi-touch and you can really oh, to really use, it's, it's like a big ds screen where you can oh. kind of use your finger but it's not as sensitive you're really supposed mm. to use a stylus I didn't and know And it's not multi-touch? No, it's it's the crappy kind of touch screen. Oh, it's the seriously? DS touch screen. It's not even that it's not even the iPad touch screen. And uh I mean I knew I knew it wouldn't be like necessarily this fine, but that they want you to use a stylus. It sounds like the system's going to be pretty expensive cuz those controllers are going to be really expensive cuz Oh my god. And all this on top of like like I said no release date or price or anything like that and the games just aside from uh you know Batman looked okay. And Pikmin looked okay, but none none of the other games they talked about. N this Nintendo Land game just looked like like bullshit. And the fact they're gonna, it sounds like they're gonna expect people to plop down fifty dollars to spend a collection of mini game uh, to buy a collection of mini games that are no better than like you, games you can buy for, for like a dollar on your iPhone. It's just man, this is. Nintendo may be fucking up. Is, and well, the other thing with like, is this it for Nintendo? Nintendo is also everyone who a lot of people who bought a Wii already have a Wii. Yeah. Uh, it's in terms of the mainstream, 
why are they going to spend drop another 300 bucks yeah. to buy another system like that when they already have when they're like either they're already still playing their Wii in the Wii and like they were playing the Wii bowling it, the yeah. Wii already does they already own a Wii and it already does what they need for them to do yeah. there's no incentive for them to suddenly go out and get a Wii U because they don't care about whether or not it's HD or anything like right. that they're not going to care about the touch screen and oh well, now we have thumbsticks so you can play first person shooters right and it's just like I don't know and but hardcore gamers aren't going to want it because there's not going to be any games for it because yeah. it's not gonna, you're not gonna see any games get ported over from the PlayStation Four, or the Xbox Seven Twenty, and stuff. It's just, I hate to, I, 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 we just spent the last fifteen minutes talking about Nintendo, but it's not looking good for Nintendo. Jeez, because I mean the Wii, at least the Wii. Again, it was like, well, not necessarily for me, but for someone else. Yeah. I don't know who the Wii U is for. And it sounds like third party developers have kind of like lar- largely given up on Nintendo because. Nintendo's, uh, at least ever since the Nintendo 64 days, is a very kind of tenuous relationship with third-party developers. Because yeah. it's been, ever since the Nintendo 64, it's been proven that third-party uh, games just don't sell that well on Nintendo consoles. Mm-hmm. Nintendo games sell best on Nintendo consoles. And Nintendo really never does anything to help out third-party developers. They never yeah. do anything to help market third-party developer games. And so it sounds like this, aside from like the kind of stuff that's getting announced for the the launch of the Wii U, which actually it seems like half their games are by Ubisoft, but aside from Ubisoft and a couple other studios, it sounds like a lot of the third-party developers are going to kind of abandon, may abandon the Wii U in favor of either doing like iPhone development yeah. or developing for, you know, for the other consoles. Yeah. But like the Wii U is going to be right in the middle of, it's, it's, it's trying to do everything, but it's not going to be able to do any one of those things Jack well. of all trades master of yeah exactly where like you can kind of play first person shooters on it but no one's going to want to play first person shooters on it because it's not going to it's the technology's not going to be that great in terms of graphics and stuff like that mm. and, but the it's too expensive for the casual market yeah and it's just yeah i don't know what the hell they're thinking is man so i don't know nintendo anyway <sighs> well now i'm cheaper let's move on um, what else happened at E3? Watch Dogs. So Watch Dogs, that was, it was really, here's the thing. My relationship with games is different from a lot of people's relationship with games. I'm not really a run around and shoot people kind of person. You're, that, you're more of a turn the uh, stoplight off in the middle of traffic and yeah. cause everyone to crash into each other it was and really, die. It was really funny because like I read, I read uh, Rock, Paper, Shotgun had an interesting article that basically said, um, the face of gaming as presented by E3 is not gaming as I know it. Yeah. And it was basically just Oh, saying, I saw like, that. That was a not... really great article. Really... Yeah. But he, one of the things he said is, like, one of the biggest reveals at E3 was this game, Watchdog, where you walk slowly through a building and turn off the lights. And, like, or you basically... just kind of, like, scan people and say, oh, this guy, he's See? wanted by the police. Or he's, but that's he owes my this much kind debt. of game! I'm like, I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, it's kind of super sci- future sci-fi, and there's, like, this hack mechanic where you can learn shit you don't need to know, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's just world-building and, stuff. I mean, and it's yeah. like, you walk up to a dude, and you press one button, and you do something really cool, and then you just walk out of building, and, and I'm watching this, I'm like, this is not really necessarily much to it, but it's beautiful, and I want to play it. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what happens, because they said, uh, supposedly that game, the, 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 the what they showed, the, the, the demo they showed at E3, was, mm-hmm. was quote-unquote running on a high-end PC, so this I was, was about to say. This sounds like this is supposed to be a next generation system. Although they said a version of this game will be coming out on the 360 and on the PlayStation 3, so oh, it sounds they? like it's it's tar- still targeted for current gen systems. Well, Although I it sounds if that's what like saying. I wonder if this might be like next year's gun. Well, not next oh, year's yeah. gun, but where it's one of those things where it also like it's right on the bleeding edge of the con- like the the generation line between yeah, the consoles where it's gonna like 
Yeah, uh, in terms of the gameplay, there's, there's not going to be anything that couldn't be done on the Xbox 360, but the graphics are going to be really nice if you get like the the, 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 the next Xbox version or something right. like that. Because, yeah, it sounds like this game's also kind of early enough in development. Yeah, it's not coming out until next year. I was going to but... say, we're not going to... That's uh, it. No, it looked game. great. It and it wasn't cool. a first-person shooter, and it had a really unique idea. Yeah. Hopefully the characters aren't retarded. Hopefully the writing isn't like... like blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. We'll see. I no, know. I was actually having this conversation with Foley the other day. I don't know who like, the developer um, is, but... Yeah, yeah, I can't think either. Actually, now you mention it. Um, uh, how with... I think I've talked about this a little bit in the podcast. Where I feel like with video games, I can't afford to be discerning. <laughs> yeah, I know. You kind of have to, like... It's like... This kind of looks half okay. It's, it's sort of like if yeah. I only like eating really good steak... If I hold out and only eat good steak, I'm going to starve. starve. Yeah. So I have to eat Big Macs every day. But now I developed a taste for Big Macs. <laughs> so I can't tell if this is just delicious. This looks like a good my chicken sandwich. Dead. Yeah. Exactly. You know? It's like... Because she was, she was like... We were like, I guess, like, she's like, I don't know if I'm interested in playing that. And I, and it didn't occur to me that that was an option. Because I was genuinely it's like... It's different! Well, it's just like something to eat. It's like why I pre-ordered Witcher. And sometimes it works out. Because it's like, it's why I pre-ordered ordered Max Payne as well because I never would have bought Max Payne if I had I, something else yeah. to eat. But I love Max Payne. The Witcher is still collecting an inch dust on my counter. I gotta go know? back to the Witcher. Poor Witcher! But uh, man, man, video games. That's what I kept thinking during that whole because once we were, we were we're looking at things and I was like hey that looks pretty neat. And then I sort of thought about it and I'm like there wasn't really anything there for me. Yeah. I mean again it's E3. They're marketing to they're really talking to investors. That's this is really also a weird year where some of the biggest and best games have all been bumped until next year, too. Yeah. So this already, the shape of this E3 is not anything what anyone expected to be just even two months ago. Yeah. Because there's no Bioshock, there's no, God knows what the fuck, like a thousand other games. I was really hoping something would come out and say, hey, get excited about this tomorrow. This is the first year in a while where no one specific game other than Watch Dogs were announced that weren't didn't make me go, oh my god, that's going to be a big thing to watch out for this fall. Yeah. And Watch Dogs doesn't even sound like it's coming out next year, within yeah. the next year. We'll probably, the next big news we'll probably see about it will be next E3. Yeah. Uh, when it'll probably be a launch title for the next. Yeah, basically, this all the theme of this E3 has been, oh man, looks neat, when do I get to play it? Next year. Yeah. Okay, next year. Next but year. I've got such a backlog of other games and stuff, I'm not too worried about it. With this I being kind no of backlog. a slim fall, I'm... <laughs> I'm gonna do a replay of 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 uh, Fallout New Vegas. I decided that you're crazy, and I'm gonna do. Um, you're nuts. I love you. And I'm gonna. We're gonna. My wife and I are gonna replay Mass Effect. Um, the whole series. Yeah. Again. You crazy. And you crazy. It's our microphone bill. Don't take it away. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I got. I'm starving. Yeah, you got Mass Effect I'm DLC hungry. change. Stuff. I'm out of BL. I'm out of. I'm out of Big Macs, man. You gotta take <laughs> your classes this fall. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Go back to school. What am I going to eat? So what's this Beyond Two Souls thing? So this is the game that's coming from Quantic Dreams. It's the real Ellen Page game, not yeah. just... So yes, the joke Bill's Bill is making is that when everyone saw The Last of Us for the first time, they thought that Ellie, the free female protagonist, her name is Ellie, to be and, fair. And now, this wasn't just a funny mi- minority going, oh, that looks like Ellen Page, but like, like everyone, oh, everyone was game. like, oh, Ellen Page is in a game. Uh, so of course then the punchline uh. is, here comes the actual Ellen Page game. Um, I was thinking about it fully. My wife asked me this and I wasn't sure. Is this the first time we've seen a game where it's pitched with a, an actor and their face? Cause I think like David Duchovny was in 13 and, um, oh. what's his name? Liam Neeson was in fallout three. But not that what that wasn't the, but focus. they were, yeah, it wasn't like this person is da da da. 
See, I didn't see the presentation, but I saw the trailer, and the trailer really make you know makes. They don't it's, mention Ellen Page by name or anything like that. It's all in game stuff. It's but not what like, I saw was like Ellen Page. Oh, see, is. I didn't even see. That. Oh, I I must have seen an even stripped down version of that trailer because it was yeah. they like you you obviously knew it was Ellen Page, but it was not like. Ellen so, Academy Award nominee Ellen Page. Um, so anyway, um, uh, so it's it's Ellen Page and it's her voice. And Maybe Cave Johnson still plays her dad in Juno. <laughs> um, uh, I like it. Allison Janney plays a robot mom. So this is. I'm this thinking, is motherfucker. Mom is talking. <laughs> okay. Be quiet. This is the next game from Quantic Dreams. They're the folks who did um, Fahrenheit and Heavy Rain and something else. Um, anyway, so this is their newest game. It's, I don't know, man. It's, I was really excited about the next game just because I like the sort of games they, the sort of stories they kind of tell. Like, what, Fahrenheit was Big Wet Fart, but it was interesting. Is this a full release? Is this a retail release, like, on disc? Because for some reason so. I got the impression it was, a, it was an, like, a digital download. Looking at those graphics? No, look, know, the man. faces look fantastic. Especially her face and the other guy who she's talking to at the yeah. beginning of the trailer. Yeah. Although, man, it's this is the L.A. Noir thing where the faces look so fantastic, but the body's still, like, his See, hands think, still look like Muppet, like, hot dog mitten hands. I think they did a lot better than L.A. Noir. Oh it felt a lot more connected. Because I think what they're doing, and it's kind of, uh, this is what the big thing is now, where it's kind of like the, the um, Uncharted thing, where the... the actors are acting and then they've just got the cameras all up on oh, the yeah, face yeah. so you get a kind of more holistic view i thought it was really good i, thought it was I like they more. shaved her head just because they could do that because it's a video game yeah <laughs> and yeah. it's just like hair's what we, hard what can we yeah that's the other thing too How but many, no, the, trailer looked, polygons. the trailer looked really neat i gotta say this though i was really disappointed that it was like a big explosion and fight scenes yeah because you think that would be more of a character piece especially if you're gonna be talking about we got this wonderful actress but she's gonna just gonna be blowing up shit well the implication was that it wasn't necessarily that she was blowing up shit it was this other the implication that i got was this other, other character soul. ivan that she's speaking did you to. see what that is no it's her titty she got haunted titties. <laughs> she got one titty control, and, the, and like uh, Ellen Page I'm... plays one titty, and the other titty, and like it's yeah. Titty room. I can't believe I actually <laughs> looked at you and said, "I don't know, Bill." Inform me. Beyond two what titties. Was I expecting you to <laughs> say two titties. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna let you laugh at that for a second. Oh my god! I love Quantic Ivan. Dreams. I'm glad that people keep giving Quantic Dreams money. Any, I was, I was, I was. For your birthday, I'm gonna buy your bra. One cup's gonna say Ivan, the other one's gonna say Ellen. Good and evil. Clown so, face, happy face. Beyond two souls, I will give them my money. Um, I was actually kind of excited about the South Park game. It looks the like it looks like the game, or it looks like the TV show. Yeah. And I have to admit, I, I like South Park just fine. It has its merits. Um, but um, I, more than anything else, Obsidian needs a win. I really want them to have a good time with something. Uh, from the people who played the game on the show floor, people already poo-pooing the game because they're just, oh, it's just another RPG. It's yeah. it's got South Park in it, but it like gameplay. I'm like, what do you expect? Yeah. Like so, Obsidian are the folks who brought us um, Fallout New Vegas, um, the Agency. Was that what it was called? They also did oh, the no. Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic. Their 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 whole shtick is that when an original developer develop, develops a hit game, and that original developer is too busy or doesn't want to do the sequel, these poor sons of bitches get brought in to create a sequel in like in nine months. Yeah. And the games they produce are about as well as you could do in nine months. Yeah, with yeah. like that limited budget and time. What makes me really sad is um, that's even true of their, the only game that they've. I think the only game that they have major release that they've had under their tenure that is a hundred percent their own was I think it was called The Agency. Yeah, and even was that, that a GTA game. 
No. Like, world... If you're going to compare it to any recent release, compare it to um, uh, Deus Ex. Oh, okay. It's that sort of thing, where you have these abilities... You're a super spy, and you have these oh, abilities... Oh, that just came out, like, a year ago? Oh, it was, like, two years oh, ago. Okay. I love it this I way. I bought it at that. Fred yeah. Meyer's for $5 <laughs> a year ago. Oh, those poor bastards. But, yeah, I, and even that felt like they did not have enough time to fully bake it. Did you take out my Tomb Raider notes? No. It just says Tomb Raider now before. I you had notes. Did you see the trailer for that? You didn't have any notes. Oh, uh, no? Oh, no, no. You said Tomb Raider looks like a slightly gimpy Uncharted clone. Oh, did I write that? Oh. Also, she almost gets raped, which is weird. <sighs> see, everyone keep, kept... That's what they were focusing on? That's not what I Well, I think people were up on. about that because every trailer that's been shown for this game so far has been her just getting the shit kicked out of her. And now then you... On top of that, you, you have this sexual threatening cherry okay. on top let's, of that. Let me, That's let just me, a little... Let's go two steps back first. For let's a lot start... of white guys who are trying to be politically correct, and it's, I can It's see... dangerous territory. We'll get to that, but first let's go take a step back. I'm just saying rape only happens because it's a, a thing that's made up by politically correct people. Is that what I was about to say? I'm, no. I'm, gonna take I'm just two... saying. Let, we're going to talk about this again. Let's start with the... I'm a straight white guy. I want to tell you what I think about <laughs> what it actually means in today's society. So the whole Uncharted clone, it cracks me up that people are taught called this an Uncharted clone when an Uncharted was just doing... I understand Uncharted was only called Dude Raider for the longest <laughs> Exactly! <laughs> this is what cracks me up. What are you talking about? It's like if, if Tomb Raider should no. be like any other that's, game of this generation, it yeah. should be Uncharted. That speaks to how well Uncharted yes. totally, again, eating lunches. Yeah. What if the Tomb Raider said, oh, you exile at 10, would you mama make some lunch? <laughs> it it's my lunch now. <laughs> Yeah. So like I'm I'm all for it, and I love that 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 actually the Naughty Dog team they actually said on their Facebook page, hey, if you guys like the Uncharted games, you should totally oh, keep your eye out for Tomb Raider. Well, they owe a lot to Tomb Raider, yeah. Though. And like as much as you love Uncharted, and, and uh, Uncharted would not exist without fucking yeah. Tomb Raider. So now we're gonna. Oh, that's cool. Okay, I thought nice. that was really yeah, cute. You know, fine. and I think I think that if anything, I want more of those sorts of games. I want more adventures where you're fighting, you know, where you're dealing with an environment, and like yeah. I could deal without, you know, endless like like the fucking um, cover based shooting elements, which is why I was excited about Tomb Raider. Yeah. It's like this looks like everything I like about Uncharted without necessarily a lot of the stuff that I don't enjoy as much. But yeah, just it's the it's been the narrative within the press that everyone's been kind of a little kerfuffled about how much she just gets the shit kicked out of her, and she's like. Moaning okay. and grunting. We can talk about which, that. Which, like now. I said, but like this is weird because it's coming from a lot of guys who are already yeah. a little. It's a little. There's even the fact that these guys are complaining about it, it's a little. Yeah. They may be reading a. It is. It even freaks me out a little bit too. But then again, as a guy. Well, see, this it's is what's little, interesting to me. I am a lady. Yeah. And I have dealt with shit. And I was not offended by all this. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The only people I've heard people complain are kind of like guys who are... And I've heard people complaining who are really reacting to the media talking about it as opposed to a natural response for the trailer. Because yeah, yeah. as I was looking at that, it, the trailer for me, it felt very real. It felt like if I were in that situation with like these like these dudes in a forest, who are, like these mercenary motherfuckers who are gunning for me, her fears and her experiences would be what I would be experiencing in that moment. Any hero like I'm up for any game where the hero gets the shit kicked out of him yeah. or her. 
And that, like, because... It'll be interesting to see how well they actually pull this off in the, fi- in the final game. You know what? Actually, it seems a lot of people, a lot of that's instigated with this isn't even as much the fact that she's getting the shit kicked out of her as the fact that she's constantly, gr- like, grunting and moaning, which I think that's kind of, like, rubbing people the wrong way, but I think that's kind of a weird kind of... Yeah, I read the other thing, and see, again, it's like, it feels like, I'm like, that's somebody else, that's like a white guy complaining about something and just trying to be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say trying to be cool. But you know what? Not I mean, that it's but invalid. Because, like, it's, it's like I was reading one a... journalist who said, like, well, if you look off screen, if you're not looking at the screen, it sounds really sexual. And, like, that's true of any with... other video game where they're grunting and moaning because they're being shot and they're being... Would it be rather if she suffered in silence? You know, Jennifer Hale does the voice for Samus in Metroid, and when it's in, so I just bump her against rocks all the time. <laughs> but I never beat that game. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I, I feel like that sort of narrative, if you are a young woman in that sort of situation, your fears are, I'm gonna get raped. But the rapey kind of thing, that really kind of brought that whole conversation back this week because it, although that one trailer the first trailer they showed where it's her just like what is it? she like falls out of an airplane into a hot air balloon yeah time travels what? gets turned into a chicken the one trailer like where it's her like she's falling off of one thing she goes through like three movies worth of indiana jones set pieces <laughs> in about a minute and a half in the I, one trailer they showed this. oh so maybe you only saw the one where she's uh she's being kind of like, i've seen everything attack. there's I... another one where she's like where she, she ends up she jumping falls off on, a like, cliff the... and she's parachuting and then she's uh, oh, yes. going down a river. No, I know. Too. Well, that's a compilation. It's not like all one contiguous moment. That look, the way it was presented in that it was because they, they had someone like connect controlling her arms going. I, I The way I viewed that was that was a compilation of events. Oh, whatever. And you know what? The other thing but, is this is being published by Square, which is kind of interesting. The Japanese company. Well, they own, they own Crystal. I know, but it's still, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm not I don't too know. worried about I, it. I am not offended by it because even it's Laura Croft it, it is like the least sexualized she has ever been. Yeah. Ever. Like, she's still got the titties and everything, but they're downgraded. Speaking of people worried about uh, what a, you know, badass female heroine's titty size is. And I mean, know. honestly, I feel like if you're, if you're telling the story of a young woman in that sort of experience and you don't have an element of fear for your womanhood, there's like, you're not telling that story, honestly. It's, it's, oh, I like it. Okay. It's a fine line. It is a super fucking fine line. And you know that if I play that game and they tow over it. I'm going to turn that game off and walk away from it. Mm-hmm. But I, it's honest. It's, I don't know. It's, I am more interested in her internal struggle in that sort of scenario where you go through hell and what it makes you than I am her unlocking they've, a mystical artifact and discovering its secrets. They've been uh, saying that she spends a big chunk of the game just talking to herself almost like a crazy person. Which, that either sounds terrible or awesome. Well, that's how most but it just depends on the writing. But yeah, yeah, that's true too. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's, uh, I feel like a lot of the, the, the media complaining about the rapiness, that was not something I felt offended by at all. And my my radar for that sort of shit is pretty. It's one of those things. Where my trigger for that sort of shit is I, pretty here. When you're a guy and you're already kind of like, yeah, when your your perspective's already a little bumped down. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, saying that the the, the 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 moaning and the 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 yelping of a character is sexual just means you have not paid attention to any video game sounds in the last fifteen years because mm-hmm. that's what all of them are. Cubert. Cubert gets me off. When he gets thrown off I that... I can't finish <laughs> unless I think of that long <laughs> suction hose mouth is. What's up, dick nose? <laughs> Vagina face. The Last of Us trailer... Uh, the Last of Us gameplay demo is great. I Bill did not, did not watch it. it. What I really liked about it was that it reminded me of all the good things of Enslaved in all the very best ways. Like, the environment and traversing the environment was very cool. It was is very it still nice. in Pittsburgh? Did um, they have uh, I the original know. hot dog shop? <laughs> 
they have Carnegie Mellon? Uh, anyway, they were trying to get to a bridge. Do they have the Is beehive? there a bridge in Pittsburgh? There's like shitloads of bridges. Okay. <laughs> Is there a big, like, almost like gold-ish bridge with like an arch? Yeah, the Fort Pitt Bridge. Okay, then maybe it was Pittsburgh. Ah! Yeah. Maybe Bill does need to watch this. What I liked about the trailer was that Pittsburgh um, gets overcome by fungus. I love <laughs> it. I oh man. So in 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 of all these trailers, that this are about, is still on tap for this year. I th- mm, I still keep on waiting for them to delay it, but they're mm, crazy because there's nothing coming out this fall. If they don't yeah. delay it, fucking Last of Us owns this fucking fall. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, what was nice about it is that it's it's a brutal. I mean, it's like you only fight like he fights like maybe seven guys during this entire demo. That's what I keep on. Yeah, the scale of the of the fighting and the combat is so small, but it's more. It's the much more for that. exactly. Yeah. And I was super impressed by that. Yes, like it was good. really that was like the kind. If I have if I'm gonna play that kind of game, that's the kind of game I want to play. Yeah, where each little moment is meaningful and intense. It's it's really hard to kill someone. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And my only concern of it is that obviously ammo is super limited, and I suck at video games. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no! I need infinite ammo, or I'm going to die. You need to bone up playing some Resident Evil games there to get, like, get you the ammo conservation. There kind you of go. For, yeah. So last yeah, of us. I um when I came home on Monday night, I kind of gorged myself on all this video game news, and I watched the Last of Us trailer, but fully did not. So that was the last thing I watched before I went to bed. Then I, I ate super late too. So the the result of these two things hand in hand meant I had the most terrifying dream I have had in a long time about the fall of civilization and how fucked I was. What happened? Uh, I dreamed that um, for no no apparent reason that we could tell, pretty much all of electronics over the span of about 30 minutes failed. Mm -hmm. Or like electricity kind of failed. So like things that had a battery life would last as long as there were batteries to you know, like keep it yeah. charged. But like basically like our electrical system, maybe there's a terrorist attack. We never got to know. So we're having to deal with the ramifications of that and things went to shit very, very quickly. And I was spent the whole time freaking out and crying because that's the kind of person. You tried to CPR your Xbox? <laughs> pretty much. I remember a big part of my dream was that we were freaking out because our only tenuous connection to the world was um uh, our iPads and we found one place that still had internet access and the internet was just barely like a lot of the servers were gone yeah. across. there were like maybe like enough left that we could sort of find out what was happening and there was our tenuous lifeline with the world and then our iPads died and it was just freaking out and um, but a huge then part of my dream was like there was this fight that was happening and um, we were trying to get away from it these two parties that were fighting and so fully kept, fully took charge like I'm going to take care of you it's, you're going to be okay you're going to be okay because I'm losing my shit and I'm just about to, you know, like, die. Like, just fucking pass out and become totally useless. Well, the only car we can find that's functional is one with the, where the driver's side door has been torn off. So we're driving away from this fight that's happening. And as they're fighting, there's an explosion that causes a series of explosions. A car next to us catches on fire and explodes and um, sends shrapnel into our car. And so Foley gets half her body just torn to shreds. And she's able to drive us far enough away to get us out of there, but she's bleeding out. Yeah. And so I'm, like, tearing off strips of my clothing to try and, you know, keep the, like, um, uh, bind the wounds to keep the blood, you know, and it's not working. So I find, like, a lobby with two lock doors that I can lock from the inside, and I kind of drag her in there, and I'm trying to figure out what the fuck I can do. I find, like, a tiny first aid kit, but it's not enough. Yeah. And as she's lying there, and my arm's bleeding out, and I'm freaking out, she just keeps saying, oh, it's okay, I'll protect you, it's okay. And I wake up as she dies, sobbing. Like, I actually woke up, just tears streaming oh, down my face. Polly just looks at me and goes, what's wrong? And I'm like, I had a dream the entire time. She's like, whatever the fuck, it was a dream. Get over it. Well, she turned into fungus as she died. <laughs> no. 
It was intense. Then you she had made a me lot of apocalyptic dreams, or a lot. I don't of... really. I don't tend to remember them. You have bad dreams, though. When I remember my dreams, it's because they're terrible, terrible. Anyway, moral of the story: Last of Us scared the shit out of me, made me cry, you and in an apocalyptic yet. scenario, I will be useless. Man, you're gonna have a. I'm going to die. However, a friend of mine who's um, former um, uh, special forces um, did tell me that if the um, if civilization failed, he would come and find me because I have strong maternal instincts and would serve as a um, uh, a good motivator for the rest of his community. I can see that. Which is nice to know that if things go to shit, that I'll be okay. You'll be everyone's mama. Because my crazy paramilitary friend <laughs> needs me <laughs> to, to rally the troops. Oh, God. To sing pleasant songs to people as we all slowly <laughs> die. <laughs> uh, yep. And I presume the implication there was because, and your large breasts will feed many children as we repopulate <laughs> the earth. I figured that was the hey, subtext there. Awesome breeding stuff for the future, <laughs> I figured that was the subtext to that text. Anyway. Oh, no. E3. That's, I never even thought. Oh, God. E3. What else happened to E3? That was it, man. No, that was it. That's all the talk. E3. I am so disturbed by the idea of you in the future and that kind of society. <laughs> I, just imagine, I just imagine you with 20 grown men and you're just like, I made muffins. <laughs> No one have sex with well, me, Well, that please. was what I really... It, the only part of the Postman that I enjoyed was yeah. that it's set in this neck of the woods. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, what Only part? like 10 years from now or something yeah. like that, too, yeah. I was like, what... Um, uh, what uh, and whole, all during the Postman, I was like, what role would I serve in this community? Because it was not abstract. It's like, no, I've driven through this small town. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, you know, it's like, hmm, apparently I'd be the mama bear. Speaking of movies... Yeah. Speaking of movies, we still got a whole part of the podcast left. That's and right, this friends. Is, uh, Annie decided this week we're going to talk about our top five favorite films. Yes. Uh, we're going to do that when we come back in just a minute. All right. So now we're going to talk about uh, our top five favorite films. That's right, friends. I know you're all very excited. I thought that our top five games podcast had such a good conversation that maybe this would be good, but I realized it's really good. Yeah, we also have feedback from uh, listeners, too. We'll talk about that, too. Yeah. So, Bill. Also about that and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So um, this is, I should say, my list in particular. I don't know about yours, Bill. It is not in order. It is not an order. Oh yeah, of my it's not favorite. like a top, like number top five, no. like top, like no. countdown number one. And I think it's an important distinction to make that I don't know about you again, but these are not what I think are the best movies. No, these are personal favorites. These are my favorite movies. These are the movies that I can watch. What do you think again. is the best film you've ever seen? But you know, you're not your favorite. Like, what would be your excerpt to that? Oh, my best. That's not necessarily my favorite. Like I was because I was thinking about the Casablanca or the Godfather, which are two like known as to be two of the best movies of all time. They are personal favorites of mine, too, yeah. but they're not as good as Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Come on. <laughs> what are you going to do? I don't know, man. I'm not very disturbed. Let's talk about the films we already have. Okay, so what's your uh, first pick? So my favorite movie of all time, the movie I can watch again This and is again. You are saying this is number one, though. If I had to make a list, this ah, would be number see. one. Oh, I'll okay. say that. 
Oh man. Just because it is my favorite movie in the world. I literally can't Are we talking have... about why too? Or are we just yeah. dropping names and then shutting out? <laughs> and then we're done. Star Wars. Uh. Click. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it. That's one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> I like no. that one movie with the guy from the aviator. Um no, so um uh, the movie I can watch because my relationship with movies, once I watch a movie, I don't really need to rewatch it. I don't really enjoy rewatching. You don't movies. fetishize movies that much, right? Um so I uh my favorite movie in the world that I can watch like, literally in sequence, is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay. I've talked about this in the past. I love how it's filmed. I love how it's acted. I love the casting. The score is perfect. That story is the perfect degree of melancholy. It is my favorite movie. I have watched it. I've finished it and then just started again. Are you talking about the original or the remake from the 60s? The original being the Itchy and Scratchy cartoon from, like, the silent era. What? I hate you. <laughs> no, but... When did this movie come out? Was it the late 60s? Because I know it's got the soundtrack by what's-his-name. Uh, Henry Mancini. No, not Henry Mancini. Not Henry Mancini. It's Mancini. the Fuck goofball Bert guy. Yeah. Man, I would probably put that music in the podcast, but I think we've already used it like three times. Oh, I, we used it in our... Um... I've used the... I've Yeah, no, Butch Cassidy also has got a great soundtrack. Man, 1969. Have we talked about why Butch Cassidy is so great? Because it's about two guys who refuse to, like, change with the times and then know they can't, and they yeah. kind of box themselves in. Yeah. Which is great, because which is a theme I like. Like, cause it, well, it's, that's the Red Dead Redemption thing. It's the Red Dead Redemption thing. Yeah. It's the reason why... One of the reasons why I live, love Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid is, in a weird way, it is the best Robin Hood movie I'll ever get. Because it's just basically about these dudes who are... Who are who have this kinship... And they're thieves together, but the world is changing. And being a thief is not a sustainable thing, and it's not indefinite. But they have no way out, and so they just follow it to its inevitable conclusion. Yeah. And also, Paul Newman and Robert Rogers were fucking fantastic in it. They're so good. You got Hot Cheeky Chick. Hot Cheeky Chick? Yeah, what's her is name? That, what, Catherine you're Ross? Catherine Ross? Her breasts almost come out. Do they? Oh, that she kind of gets naked with Robert Reverend's doing that thing where Man, he's that like... that scene is hot. Does he make her strip naked? What happened? When he's like, just take off that top and she's like... Yeah, she, she, she strips her him. Yeah, exactly. And he's all like... He, he's almost like a little odd by like... He's like... Mah. Man, that yeah! That is the best movie in the world. It is just... It's I mean, no Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> also starring Paul Newman. What are you going to do? Just, oh, Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> So the, the thing that Bill and I both came across is that we had no problem making four. But the fifth one! The fifth one. I have ten possible number fives. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bill. No, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, I love it because it's a very nuanced film. It's ultimately about a friendship between two men. And the, very intelligent writing. Yeah. And it's not like that tight, tightly plotted or anything, too. It's, it's, I mean, the half genuinely... the movie is them just being chased. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because gen- here's the plot of Butch and Sundance. They um, are thieves... They, they commit a crime, they start to get chased, they flee somewhere else, they try to go straight, it doesn't go well, they go back to crime, they die. Yeah. And this is on Netflix Instant. If you haven't it's... seen it, it's definitely worth it. It's got a great sense of humor. It's written by William yeah. Goldman, the guy who wrote The Princess Bride of all yeah. goddamn This things. was his first project. Oh man, The Princess Bride. Uh, that wouldn't be one of my favorite films, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but yeah it's, it's, I, I can't, it's just my number one favorite movie. Yeah. If I ever in my life create anything that even captures a quarter of the beauty and glory that is Butch Cassidy as an kid, I will die Barbara happy. Redford's hot. Dude, Either they're badass. all beautiful. Everything in that movie is... The costuming is perfect. Edith Head. He doesn't have Daniel Craig's butt wooding until. Even, the, like, the set design is very sparing. Because mm-hmm. it's a western. But, like, where they film is beautiful. They actually film outdoors. This is yeah. just, like, in, like late enough into the 60s where, like, production for movies, especially westerns, yeah. started to turn towards actually filming in real places. It's not just, like, from some, like, corn pwn John yeah. Wayne bullshit. 
It's gorgeous. The whole yeah. the whole gang, man, that movie is great. It is my favorite movie. That in the and world. the Sting, I could just watch those like three times in a single too. day. Yeah. Yeah, but the Sting doesn't. Quite, the Sting is much more. Sting it's, doesn't it's, have the same pathos as. The Sting is not about those characters. The Sting is about that crime. Yeah. The Sting is ultimately a crime film. Well, more accurate, it is a con film. It is about the con. Yeah. Where what I love about Butch Cassidy and the Sandman's Kid is it's just an ex, a very a quiet exploration of those characters. Mm-hmm. This is a theme that comes up in my other favorite movies too, because basically, like you, if you make a movie that it's about, I hate to use the term, but it is essentially a bromance, just a kind of an understated bromance, but if, uh, the friendship between two men. And um, and, and kind of against the world, it will be a movie I like. That is just something that is a recipe that I am a sucker for every time. And if it's beautiful and kind of quiet and contemplative about it, then I'm gonna love it even more. Okay. Cause like, yeah. What's what's your number one? Or what is your first? My oh my first. Yeah, cause I can't even say number one. Uh, first pick is Raiders of the Lost Ark. As well, it should be. Uh, the the best, still the best Indiana Jones film. A fuck. Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. They're all good. I still even like Temple of Doom get shit on. And that's still an entertaining movie. I don't think that's Temple of Doom is necessarily a great film, but oh, the, the, for, those first three films are all great. Uh, what's your favorite indie film? Do you Indiana care? Jones? Yeah, because people tend to get really riled up about this shit. I really like Last Crusade just because I, when I was a kid, I was really into Templar stuff. Okay, yeah, that makes so sense. So the whole thing with The Last Night. But I still like love Raiders Lost Ark for being the stripped down kind of 30s adventure flick yeah. that none of the other films really are. Oh, yeah. There's no, like, I don't have any specific thing against Last Crusade. It's just not quite as much of an adventure movie. Oh, sure. He, he was hanging out with his geriatric dad half oh, the time. Sure. So it's not quite as that same punchy, yeah. gritty. Kind of greasy, funky formula. And I like his formula. relationship with with Marion Yeah, Marion Ravenwood. She's so a much. badass, and she's not particularly like a super hot lady, but she's cute and feisty, and she yeah. kicks the shit out of people I until had... she gets chased uh, by people with knives, and then she hits them with frying pans. I was, I actually silly. had her with the frying pan, holding the frying pan in, as a live draw icon for a long time. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about I that. Enjoyed that. But yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I just love the fact that it, uh, Spielberg and Lucas just decided to resurrect this old ancient movie formula. And they did it with still enough pulp. It still yeah. had that energy, even though it was bigger budget and had yeah. crazy special effects. And they yeah. interjected with like su- crazy supernatural shit that didn't necessarily yeah. happen in some of those old yeah. uh, uh, serial Which people stuff. forget now because yeah. Anita Jones to so many people defines what pulp is. Yeah, they don't realize it's just kind of regurgitated from something else. Yeah, I mean yeah. Star Wars had the same effect to some degree. Yeah, we're just re- redefined that genre so much that it essentially became yeah. that genre. Yeah. Like the, the it's almost like Pirates of the Caribbean now is everyone's default pirate movie even though that man that's a, that's one of the things I like about Pirates of the Caribbean is that it's essentially today's Raiders of Lost Ark where it took like an old defunct you film franchise that. interjected yeah. with a bunch of like comedy wacky characters and kind of a modern sensibility and supernatural shit which was kind of spooky but cool to watch that's why I like Pirates of the Caribbean so much but that's good but you know Raiders of the Lost Ark and you got Harrison Ford in his prime yeah you got great action you got uh, f- uh, you got fist punches that sound like gunshots gunshots yeah. that sound like cannon fire <laughs> yeah <laughs> you got ghosts you got Nazis getting their faces melted off yeah. you got snakes you got like man and just the soundtrack is fucking impeccable and yeah. But it's not over so uh, so overproduced. The movie is a little bit rickety, even from a production yeah. point of view. But it's still, but, but, but in that nice, benefit. great, pulpy kind of way. Yeah. And the pacing's fucking fantastic. Sometimes you need that kind of movie should be a little dirty. Yeah. You know, and, it should be a little imperfect. Yeah. And Indiana Jones gets the shit kicked out of him for the whole movie, yeah. and like he ends up losing essentially. Yeah. Because not only does he gets the art taken away from him, and the point where he can actually get the art back, where he's gonna blow everyone up with the bazooka at the very end of the movie, he just like you know, uh, uh, Belloc comes out, fly comes in his mouth, and he's 
says, oh, you're going to blow up history. This is history. And then he's like, oh, fuck it. Okay, I can't blow up the Ark. I give up. And he just gets saved by God. <laughs> just randomly. It's literally as deus ex machina. Yep, and yet. And yet, and yet. No, that's just movie. Bam. Yeah. That's one of the perfect movie movies. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't have the subtext of uh, Butch Cassidy or some of the other movies that we'll talk about, but just as a fun piece of cinema. Yeah. That you know, it's like, a tight little adventure. Yeah, it was is a perfect, perfectly constructed for its time, but also plays perfect homage to yeah an old genre. It's just yeah, and it's fun. Yeah. And that's that's yeah fun yeah fun. You don't there are very few movies where you leave and you're like that was a lot of fun. Minorities don't do so uh, so well in the movie. Well, they're authentic to the serials get, in that, aren't You got Dr. Octopus, he gets shot in the back by natives who show their butts. <laughs> There's a brown guy, Swordsman, he gets shot. You get Sala, he's all kind of like, rah, rah, rah. I am the monarch of the sea. I don't know. I can go off about that. I love that movie. Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of those movies. Well, I can probably just do that with all my top five movies where like, I could just watch it almost like recite every piece of dialogue. Then again, that's the same with everybody. That's not yeah. unique to me, Raiders. But like, and then my favorite part of the whole movie, it's the little non thing. But when Indiana Jones and Marion are getting sealed in the Well of Souls by uh, Belloc, and Indiana Jones says, ha, 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 son of a bitch. You know what? You will like my mom more because that is my mom, one of my mom's favorite movies. Your mom and I, we should date. <laughs> She's already married to a bill. She's open. It won't up. be too confusing. We can, we can move to Omaha. What's the same state with <laughs> all the Texas? No! Well, where, they, where can you have uh, multiple wives? Oh, polyamory? I can, I can share a bed with, with, with your parents. I'm going to change the subject. <laughs> um, so, Portland friends who are listening to this, no. uh, the Hollywood Theater up in uh, Northeast, um, they actually have a new 35mm print of Raiders of the Lost Ark that they're going to be screening next I'm curious month. to see what that looks like. And they have their new screen and their new sound system and their new seats. If that's so. a new print, I wonder if it struck off... Because they came out with a quote-unquote special edition for the DVDs a couple of years ago that was, it was slightly CGI enhanced. They mm-hmm. didn't do the special edition stuff like they did with Star Wars where it's like adding new characters or anything sure. like that. They just kind of cleaned Clean up, up some of the special effects. Yeah. And I wonder if it's going to be struck from that or if it's actually just going to be a copy of one, the 1981 question. print. But, yeah. So. Either way, good times. So um, my, my next movie would probably be um, another bros in history. That would actually be a more accurate way to describe what I like. Um, Master and Commander. Mm, Master and Commander. This man. is, yeah, if we were talking about top ten movies, it would probably be in top, my, one of my top ten picks, too. But. So Master and Commander, when it came out, got... This is one of the reasons why I can't walk away from Prometheus. Before we were talking, Master... Bill saying how Bill was going to probably not necessarily go out of his way to see Prometheus immediately because it's kind of getting pooped on interviews. Master and Commander got pretty firmly shat on in Which, reviews. In, re- in respect, I have no idea how. I don't know why. Well, it was it was right after. Um, anyway, um, my uh, a friend of mine before I moved out to Portland as a belated birthday present took me to go see Master and Commander, and that movie just blew me away. Mm-hmm. It is just such a well done, tight little film. I want to say tight. It is a well it done. It is tight. Film. No, for that, it, it's it's merging a couple books in that yeah. series into one story. No, it is a tight film. 
So it's it's about It's not um, a super short or lean no. film necessarily. Well, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. It's about um these uh British boyos who are um at sea during the um is it during the Napoleonic War? Yeah. It's yeah. it's 1805. So it's you know like the age of sail and um uh they are out looking for yeah, cuz they're looking for a French vessel that's been fucking with the British fleet and etc yeah. etc. Et you really just need to know good guys chase the bad guys on their way through the Galapagos, you know, as, as they go and it's um uh it's about this um the captain is friends with uh, the the ship's um, surgeon. The who's captain a played by Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe and the surgeon played by Paul Bettany, and um, it's just a really well done film. It's a really well done friendship because you can tell these are men that necessarily would not have been friends were they not forced into close quarters and forced to kind of boil together long enough for their friendship to bubble to the surface. Yeah. Um, the music is fantastic. It's shot beautifully. And anyone who's ever had any margin of fascination with life at sea will find this movie very engaging. I'm kind of blown away because I know a lot of people uh, never have never seen the movie because they think it's some kind of big sweeping romantic period piece. Yeah, well, because usually no, it's that's not. what they are. It is a Scott damn... It's, it's, it's a very stripped-down Star Trek movie yeah. where it's just... It's essentially Wrath of Khan... But in the Napoleonic eras, where there's no romance, yeah. right? There's no fluff to it. All it is no. about these guys at sea get fucked over by this French ship, mm-hmm. and they want and they're gonna get orders to take down this French ship after they're fucked over, yeah. and they just chase this goddamn ship halfway around the fucking world. But because it's they're on they're at sea, so really a lot of that time is there. It's, there's a lot of very tense moments, but mostly they're just on a boat hanging out. Yeah. And so it's really about the relationships between these people in the book. But stuff happens. There's but some. It's... There is some crap in the movie. Like there, I, you're I, talking. We know. What, yeah, I just realized. Okay, yeah, Jonah maybe sequence. it isn't as lean as. Okay, <laughs> see, I see that's that. a, there's like a whole Jonah sequence. So there's a a, a movie. Um, what is it? Was it called? Um, not 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 Bedlam. Um, becalmed. Any movie that's about um uh, sea life usually addresses being becalmed or being um uh what's it called the when you're yeah basically the wind dies and you can't move and by definition any movie that has a becalmed sequence the movie just comes to a fucking it's, halt going back to the star trek uh thing it's like as if star trek 2 suddenly had a uh, 15 minute sequence where uh, they run out of gas yeah the and engine play sale. cards for a and while and it's so funny that, p- that filmmakers insist on putting this shit well, in well it's an interesting thing to show how it's part at, of life at they were at the mercy of the wind and yeah. if they ran out of wind then they're just kind of stranded until the the, the air kicks up again and Valhalla they can sail Rising away. also has a becalmed sequence it made me think about that and like the only movie that has a good becalmed sequence is Muppet Treasure Island <laughs> they turn it into a musical sequence that's how they get away with uh, it Cabin but Eva. the director of Master and Commander Peter Weir he did a shitload of period uh, research for the costuming and just yeah. the accents and the yeah. speech and uh, the, the ship, we, so uh, uh, and and so it just looks fantastic. The movie's yeah. got a fantastic soundtrack. The story is great. Yeah. The characters are wonderful. The first time Bill and I met was in at real San life, Diego yeah. Comic Con, and right outside of the convention center, they have the ship, one of the ships that they used for Master Commander, the HMS Rose. And like the first day that Bill and I ever hung out was on this ship. Yeah, and I think they've since renamed it the HMS Surprise, which is oh, the name they? of the ship Maybe from the ship Master, uh, Master Commander. But yeah, it used to be the HMS Rose, and I think it's still maybe down San Diego, just yeah. uh, in, in port in San Diego, within walking distance of this uh, San Diego Convention Center. Yeah, you could just—it's the ship from Master and Commander. You can go hang out, go below decks where they have yeah. a museum exhibit of, of stuff from that era. And uh, yeah, that was that 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 is a fantastic movie. And me being a Star Trek fan, I, I still consider that one to be the one to be one of the best Star Trek films. And that yeah. it's just about being at sea, naval. Well, I mean, Star Trek's largely based off of, oh, yeah. naval especially the movies being based off of, yeah, those stories or the uh, the kind of uh, 
No, no what's not Master Commander? What's this? Uh, Horatio Hornblower. Oh, yeah. But it's that same era of, yeah, yeah Sea Tales. But whereas Horatio Hornblower was all about, you know, personal adventure and like Horatio trying to lift himself up and this all this stuff. Survival. This is really about survival and it's generally about like you could even say that it's kind of like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid where there it's it's kind of about like the waning edge of technology because mm-hmm. the cap the captain Russell Crowe's character oh, his man. ship is a kind of a shitty old ship he's literally spent his entire life on this ship and it's kind of out of date and this he's other ship he's in his prime but his ship is not his and he's kind of like yeah he gets kind of defensive about the ship because yeah. the ship gets fucked up yeah. and he's talking to, to people about like we can get her, get her fixed and oh yeah and but yeah the friendship is a new design yeah it's like the cutting edge of sailing technology yeah and he's he's trying to take down the ship and has yeah. way more guns than his ship and he's yeah. literally outgunned and outclassed yeah. in every potential it's experience versus age it's, yeah. a, it's a really good i can't i love that movie Ugh. i could watch that and butch cassie and sending its kid for the rest of my life oh, and man. never watch that another movie that's gotta be on blue it is because right? that's that's pretty enough you it's one of those unfortunate things and i don't know if this happens it seems to me like this happens a lot where there's a really really good dvd edition with a lot of extra shit oh and the super bare bones blu-ray and if super bare bones blu-ray and it's so i the, own both it's got the fighting naturalist yes now the, the fighting naturalist. Talk about, if you see the movie you'll know what we're talking about the fighting, the fighting naturalist. naturalist is one of my favorite characters in any movie yeah i love him yeah <laughs> And then the other fighting naturalist. The other fighting naturalist. Yeah. Man, I love Man, Master and kids. These, you get and to see how score. kids... I could listen to that score oh. for the rest of my life. Man, Master Commander, I want to see... I might actually throw that on as soon as you leave. When yeah. I start editing the podcast, as soon as you leave. Yeah. And I could have my private Master Commander time. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, Master Commander was one of the reasons why I got really excited about the Robin Hood movie in its original iteration because Ridley Scott made a crappy Robin Hood movie a couple years ago. In its original iteration, it was going to be a movie called, I think it was going to be called just Sherwood. And Russell Crowe was actually going to pay, play an older sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. And just like thinking about him and essentially that character and, and Master Commander, you know, like just someone who's who's lived through a lot of shit and is the wiser for it and, you know, maybe knows like the shades of gray of the world. And I was like, oh, so excited. Ugh. Anyway, it's okay. I'm Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. I don't need a good Robin Hood movie. Anyway, Bill, what's next on your list? Uh, Empire Strikes Back. We already did a Star Wars podcast a couple weeks ago, but it's the Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything to even say about the Empire Strikes Back? Everyone knows it's the best Star Wars movie. It's great to watch when you were a kid and it's snowing outside and you come in and like, Luke Skywalker's in the snow like you were. I'm just walking on the way home through the snow. Um, is yeah. that something that happened to you, Bill? Yeah, it's got, what's, yeah. That's very Empire Strikes Back was great. I think that's part of the reason why Empire Strikes Back is 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 such like a um a great movie, like such a fan favorite, just because it was so much like I don't know. I love the snow stuff. I love anything. Even now with video games, I love anything with snow levels and stuff. Yeah, but it had walkers. It got Yoda. Yeah, it got big. It's got the best lightsaber fight of all the Star Wars movies. Yeah. 
It's got black black guy Lando being a badass. <laughs> you got C three PO and Chewie being friends. Yeah, it's man, it's that's a weird movie to be such a popular movie, especially for kids, because that's a very slow kind of slightly depressing fantasy film. Yeah, when a push comes to shove, where you spend half the movie with a Muppet telling <laughs> a guy who can't act very well how to lift a spaceship out of a swamp. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's man, there's not a lot to say about Empire Strikes Back that hasn't been said before. But yeah, it's just. Hmm. Well, then should I go into my list? Yeah. Um, my next entry is kind of a weird one, and uh, I know I'm I'm totally alone in this, but it's continuing my my theory uh, my theme. Um, the man who would be king. That's a good movie. With Sean Connery again with dudes doing and Michael Caine. Yeah. It's again it's an, it's about these two dudes who are in a situation where they're totally out of their depth but making the best of it. However, unlike Master and Commander, which are basically about intelligent dudes who know they're in over their heads, and arguably Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, again they're smart dudes who literally have no alternatives. Yeah. Man Who Would Be King is great because it's about two idiots who only get by due to dumb luck and Explain determination. What the plot is. So the Man Who Would Be King is based on a Kipling book, and it's about these two guys who are in the British army in like kind of we're talking about when um, uh, British occupation of India and they decide that um, they're career soldiers they've been soldiering for the past 10 years um, I can only remember Peachy's name I can't remember the other guy Peachy is Michael Caine's character's name which is great I always think if I get a dumb dog like a big dumb dog I'm gonna name it Peachy oh, the other guy's name is Kong and so when he becomes king it's hilarious <laughs> there we go <laughs> no <laughs> So they go to, um, uh, they go off to, um, like into the mountains of Afghanistan and that sort of thing with a bunch of guns. And their theory is they're going to go to these tribes, like all these nomadic tribes and stuff. And they're going to basically swan in, train one tribe really, really well, arm them really, really well, and then take everybody else, everybody else and live like Kings and just drown in pussy for the rest of their lives. And, um, uh, this all goes pretty well, except they, um, convince, um, the, some of these people that they're, they are working with that they are gods, in fact, and that's why they are so badass. And, um, it all, uh, this causes a little bit of, um, um, conflict between these two characters because they're in it together and they're going to be bros forever but Sean Connery's God Mm -hmm. and Michael Caine is is now his like minion and um, uh, and, uh, all of a sudden it's only Sean Connery who's drowning in pussy and poor Michael Caine who's doing all the work and um, uh, and things go very very poorly Daniel that's what it is Danny Danny and Peachy but it's it's great. Like Michael Caine and Sean Connery, I love them in that movie. They're such assholes. They're such bros. It's been such a long time since I've seen this, but I want to see it again. It is because I know it does not end well with Randy. No, anybody. it does not. Um, uh, nineteen seventy-five. It's just it's, it, I like how it's filmed. Yeah, it's, it's older Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's kind of like I know that some people have trouble with that sort of story because it's like, oh, white man outsmarting the natives. No, but, but these it's guys fuck themselves up. It's not. It's idiots. not white guys versus natives. It's it's white guys versus themselves and stupidity and yeah. just like yeah they get themselves into and I, in I love I just fucking love that movie I love their friendship I love their stupidity I love how their friendship kind of comes full circle and I love how that movie finally ends because it's great because Kipling spent time working as a like a, a, a like in a post office I want to say like in the postal in the British Postal Service and I think he was posted in India and that's where he got a lot of the inspiration for a lot of his books pardon me if I'm misspeaking here but I think that's roughly it so mm-hmm. this book is framed with um, Peachy and Danny 
they knew they served with oh that no um kipling served in the army and then he kind of stuck around i think that's what it was anyway they served with kipling so the movie so it's all from kipling's point of view more or less because um kipling is is start working in this office and they swan in like you're gonna you're gonna witness our contract because we're gonna go off and be kings together and they make this whole contract like a legally binding contract because they're adorable and they think that's what you should do and they go off for this grand adventure and um michael kane shows up like two years later, destroyed, and he tells um, he tells Kipling what happens, and it's oh man, man in the last shot of that movie. Oh, I love that movie. There was like oh man, it's, and the score's pretty good, but it mostly like again, it's that friendship. It's very it's, I love that movie. And then um, they pretty much stole the whole plot for um, uh, El Dorado for Del Dorado. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's tough to be a god. <laughs> there's there's got to be some I've terrible never fan seen bit. that. Road to El Dorado is terrible. Was that the, but oh, Dylan great. was talking about that? How everyone had a boner for the chick in that movie. Oh, did they? Yeah, because she she was a hot uh, native girl who barely had any clothes on. See, I guess, man, I can barely remember her because their friendship again was so funny to me. I love movies that are just about the friendship of two people against all odds. Why I do you not one. have like a best friend that you can go like do stuff like this with? <laughs> Why don't I have go that? on advent- ill-defined adventures where you guys die or almost die? Whenever I have gone on ill-defined adventures, they've mostly been on my own. Yeah, you need a road trip, buddy. <laughs> who you can go? Who you can go and hang out with the natives with and barely escape? <laughs> that, that's what we're learning. Anyway, yeah, man who would be king. I would say those movies. Those are three movies that that is bro, bros in time making bad decisions. Because even Butch Cassidy's about the like the white guys among the natives kind of. Yeah. Yeah, man, you got good taste in movies. I like those how like your three. your picture all. I'm like, yeah, I'm on board with that too. It's not like I'm having to sit in there and go, oh, what's Andy's next movie? Oh, no, some bullshit. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that these have been my favorite movies for a long time. One thing these movies all share is that they came kind of out of out of nowhere for me because like Master Commander a friend dragged me to the theater they're all historical films though which is interesting both Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid and The Man Who Would Be King I saw by accident due to insomnia because in both cases I couldn't sleep and so I turned on like Turner Classic Movies or something like 13 years ago and accidentally caught them Huh. And became fixated with them. I'm looking to see if the man who would, who would be king is on Netflix. Cause I'd love to see that again because I don't have that on DVD. I, I actually know. don't own it either. I've probably only seen it maybe three or four times. But it's one of those movies that I just, even though there's not much meat on them bones, it's it's one of those movies that stays with Netflix me. Netflix does have the man who would be Polka King. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what I meant. Close enough. Uh, anyway, am I up next? Yes. Uh, where are we at? Oh, my uh, number three uh, top fi- uh, t- uh, number three film of all time is Rushmore, Wes Anderson's uh, second movie after uh, Bottle Rocket. Have you ever seen Rushmore? Did yes. I ever make you, you made watch, me watch that? It. And it was you one of those things, were enthused. <laughs> it was one of those things where you browbeat me into watching it. I wasn't in the mood. Rushmore and I was never is a movie for assholes. <laughs> Seriously, if you're if you're kind of an obsessive weirdo. You'll probably get into Rushmore because Rushmore. I don't know any women who like Rushmore. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Because well, the main character Max Fisher, he's a smartass. Mm-hmm. He's kind of obsessive, and then the secondary character is Bill Murray, uh, playing this guy named Herman Bloom, who uh, they both fall in love with the same woman, despite the fact mm-hmm. that uh, the main character Max Fisher, played by uh, Scott Pilgrim's Jason Schwartzman, uh, who's this uh, school student, he falls in love with one of the teachers at his prep school in Texas. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, one of the guy, what was that called when you donate money to a school or something? Patron? 
this this yeah, yeah this guy true. yeah Bill Murray plays this rich industrialist who's a patron of the school and they both fall in love with this teacher lady at Rushmore it's, the movie's called Rushmore because it's the Rushmore Academy it has nothing sure. to do with Rushmore the, right. the statue or whatever and it's all about them uh, getting this huge fucking battle for the hand of this lady who is herself actually still in love with her dead husband. Yeah. And it's all very twee, but it's not so twee where, like, uh, where Wes Anderson kind of jumped off the twee bridge with uh, Darjeeling Limited and stuff. But uh, it's just, it's 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 fantastically shot. Uh, one of the major characters is also played by, oh, God, he what from X-Men 2, who played... Uh, Wolverine's uh, weird stepdad character who genetically engineered him, William Stryker. Oh, yeah. What's that guy's name? God damn. I gotta look up Rushmore. Um, Yeah. The score is fantastic. The score is done by uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, who did, like, the music for Rugrats and stuff like that. He used to be a part of Devo. Mm -hmm. It's got this very kind of clockwork, kind of very cute score with, like, organ music and stuff. It's fantastic. Uh, I mean, it's got a great soundtrack. But I, I have no idea why I like Rushmore so much. I think it's just because it appeals some to movies that just the obsessive yeah. asshole weirdo part of me that just doesn't get sated by all these other sentimental movies. I mean, Rushmore's kind of sentimental, too. But it's just uh, the production design is great. The actors are all fantastic. Uh, Olivia Williams is super hot. And yeah, it's got it's a Bill Murray movie. How yeah. can you ever go wrong with Bill Murray? And But it's also kind of sad and... It's just, yeah, it's about people fucking up. Even the heroine, like I said, she she's being chased by the two main guys. And even it's nice she, to have movies about flawed characters. Yeah, and all the characters flawed, and even like the lady everyone's chasing after is kind of flawed because then she's coming to terms with the fact that she's still dead, still in love with her dead husband, and yeah. she has to get over that and kind of like come to terms with the fact that like you know she's she's got to open herself to the opportunities of you know of of life that's still around here and right. it's just yeah I, it's still my favorite Wes Anderson movie just it's it's man not it's to good. not to change the subject but to go back to the man who would be king one more time one thing i forgot about it and i mean Nick, I like to mention it's also a very funny movie cuz they're idiots um i only i mostly remember like this stupid sadness of it but it's yeah. a very funny movie i forgot that um john houston originally planned on having it be oh, I forgot that's a john with, houston um, movie yeah can we talk about annie he did the movie Annie. He also did the Maltese goddamn Falcon, <laughs> motherfucker. Anyway, uh, he originally planned for um, uh, The Man Who Would Be King to be a Clark Gable Humphrey Bogart vehicle. So watching that movie, it's kind of crazy to think of an alternate universe. Was he going to do that like thir- like t- like like two twenty years before that it actually got filmed? I don't know. I think it, I think it was like they were planning out? on doing it, and then like, and then Bogart, Bogart died. Oh. Yeah, because Bogart died in the fifties. Um, yeah, and then and then later he was able to make the movie happen. Huh. Oh man, yeah. if you could time travel back with that script yeah. and get that done, that, that would be one of the all time movies yeah. of that era. I mean, and I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad I don't live. Yeah, in that you're world fine with the movie as it is, the but the, the, the what? Yeah, the what if kind of situation there is amazing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, back to Rushmore. Rushmore sorry. My favorite yeah. thing uh, is also Max is a perpetual fuck up. Yeah. Uh, he uh, is distracted because he goes to the school and he's a terrible student. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, is a terrible student because he gets uh, sidetracked by all these uh, smaller little clubs and stuff he's a founder. He's a part of, like, he's part of the Latin Society. Mm-hmm. No, he gets Latin canceled. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I said Latin. What did you do? guy with a part missing ear and he blows up a bunch of little kids. <laughs> that Rushmore is hilarious! It's kind of sad, but man, that movie, 
the play they put on the Vietnam play that makes Bill Murray cry at the end of the movie. Man, that movie. Oh, Brian Cox is 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 the schoolmaster. Brian Cox. But no, yeah. So Max Fisher, he's a student, and uh, he's supposed to be uh, partners with with his little friend. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Who's his little friend? Dirk Calloway, played by Mason Gamble. Mason Gamble's actually, Dirk Calloway's actually more put together and smarter than he is. Mm-hmm. It's just, man, I just love that movie. That movie is not afraid to take the piss out of itself, which in some ways Wes Anderson's movies don't really do. Yeah. Was I don't know. So, stuff. Well, Rashmore. Rashmore. It's good. Thumbs You're up. You're loud. Yeah. That's a good one. That's my private, greedy, personal pick. Okay. So, number, my, my, my fourth one. I will start, the, we've talked about this one before. I will start by saying I really do not think this is a perfect movie at all. This is just a movie designed I know what you're talking about. explicitly to destroy me, Annie. Uh-huh. It's Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven just totally hit me right between the eyes, and I passed out for three days, and I woke up only thinking about Kingdom of Heaven for the rest of my life. This is uh, Jim Henson's movie. <laughs> the last one he died. Directed before he died. It's, it's the they Muppet. They don't even know what joke you're making. It's a Muppet movie about the Templars. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is you can only kingdom really heaven. talk about kingdom... the, the the stress between muslims and christians with felt <laughs> so kingdom of heaven... <laughs> that's why you can really do justice to the material kingdom of heaven is a, a movie about the crusades and i my entire life have been fascinated by the crusades it's just i've i, I grew up totally fascinated with knights uh-huh. and um you know um the Templars and ironic Kingdom of Heaven is one of bajillion movies that cast the Templars as bad guys, but um, yeah, Assassin's Creed rips off Kingdom of Heaven. Well, honestly, visually, the, the first, first game, Assassin's Creed game is cribbing from Kingdom of Heaven so even a lot hard. of the soundtrack. Oh, it's so hard. Kingdom of Heaven is beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Like it's it's I admit it is directly towards me. I was not all interested in it like running up to its release yeah. because of Orlando Bloom Orlando Bloom plays protagonist and I'm like fuck Orlando Bloom who gives a shit he's really good in that movie in the final film he's, he's okay in the theatrical cut he doesn't come across okay, so well okay well here's the thing this is because we're not talking about the theatrical cut of Kingdom of Heaven yeah. I saw Kingdom of Heaven in theaters I, this is what I should say because actually I'm, I'm telling a lie I saw Kingdom of Heaven in theaters I really liked it despite itself you were frustrated beyond belief though with that movie yeah because yeah. it, it it didn't make a lot of sense. And there is a character, um, Eva Green is in it. This is the first movie where I really noticed Eva Green too, which I'm not going to lie, helps. Um, uh, Eva Green's character has an b- abrupt transformation halfway through the theatrical release. It makes no sense. And at the time, all you can really read it as is she is sort of rejected by Orlando Bloom, so she almost kills herself. Yeah. And I remember the theater going, motherfuckers, what the hell? So, however, and the reason why is that it came out not too long after Alexander... The Alexander the Great movie that Stone movie, yeah. so hard, they made Ridley Scott cut half an hour from this film. And what they cut was a good chunk of Orlando Bloom's character development that explains why he's able to do what he does in the course of the film. And also, all of Eva Green's um, arc. Yeah, because she has a child and the child gets fucked up. And... Yeah. Like, and her entire motivational and arc she, is It kind of cuts out the third act, like, this, the middle act of the whole fucking film. It's weird. It's weird. Um, but, yeah. But that movie is so beautiful. Ed Norton does an amazing turn as the, the Prince king. Prince uh, Yeah, as, 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 yeah, as the, the king of Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy Irons is really great as, um, uh, basically, for all intents and purposes, the sheriff of Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, the bad guys well, are pretty bad. And, like, the way they treat Muslim faith is very cool. 
Um, For a movie that came out just uh, four years after uh, 9-11, yeah. this is totally Ridley Scott's... This is his thing about Christian-Muslim relationships in yeah. the wake of 9-11. Yeah. Cause For basically, all, all the warts and everything that entails, but it's, yeah. What it boils down to is the movie is about um, Christians trying to drum up a conflict between the Christians and Muslims to use it as an excuse to destroy the Muslims. Yeah. And so they can take over the area. Yeah, Christians already uh, are in control. This is after the First Crusade. Uh, Christians are in control of Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah they're trying to goad the, the Muslims into fighting more because they just want to fight. Meanwhile, Saladin is not wrong. He's sitting back and going, I'm going to watch them eat. I'm going to watch this snake eat his own head because it's the, the Christians are totally infighting, yeah. which is not historically inaccurate necessarily, though the movie plays pretty fast and loose with history. But it's just beautiful. Like, and as um, if you take Kingdom of Heaven and mix it into Butch Cassidy and Sunday's Kid, you have my favorite Robin Hood movie, yeah. which is why. One thing about Kingdom of Heaven that makes my brain melt. I see. So I'm going to take, so um, Kingdom of Heaven is about. Um, uh, I'm the one who Orlando found out Bloom. about this, right? Because I was well, watching we were the watching, We were watching the commentary together. Yeah. We found this out in real fucking time. So um, Kingdom of Heaven is about um, Orlando Bloom. Yeah, you have to explain what the character goes is. From, he's a blacksmith in he's France. He's a French player. Yeah. He meets up with everybody's favorite dead dad, Liam Neeson who's his long-lost father, says, come to me the Crusades. Your wife committed suicide by fighting in the Crusades. You can atone for the sin of her death. Because, of course, as a Christian, suicide means you're condemned to hell. So he goes to save her soul because the Crusades... I always have to remember that people aren't as obsessed about the Crusades Yeah, actually, that's what I'm saying. You have to to explain. So, um, of course, uh, many people who are super religious were going to the Crusades because they thought that by fighting... um, The the Pope said that if you go to the Crusades and fight, you will... um, All your sins will be forgiven. So there were people who would go and, like, I committed crimes, my family members committed crimes. There were just as many people who were going to the Holy Land to get some loot and bring it back home. Um, But if you can absolve your sins along the way, hey, um, it's especially great when you get as far as Constantinople, sack that and go back home. But anyway, um, so he goes to Jerusalem to um, try and uh, absolve his sins wife and also basically to make a new life for himself. The end of the movie, he winds up back in France and rides off into the sunset. Um, This movie was um, kind of conceived as the first of three films. And in the third film... Bill and I re- learned by watching the commentary, um, Orlando Bloom becomes Robin Hood. Really? Like, Ridley Scott comes out and says, yeah, like, the idea you would... He would end up in, in England yeah. fighting uh, the British aristocracy, and... Yeah. I don't know if they would have actually called him Robin Hood, but it would have been about He would have, for all intents and purposes, have been Robin But that Hood. really, Scott's explicitly said that this would have been his Robin Hood trilogy. And Annie, being a huge Kingdom of Heaven fan, slash a huge Robin Hood fan, almost shit herself at the speed of life. I actually did. I'm not kidding. I kind of had a conniption fit. Yeah. I Because this was... I... And so instead of doing that, Ridley Scott made the crappy Robin Hood movie that did come out that no one cared about. Hey, at least that movie starred What's Your Face, Hot Aviator Chick. Hot Aviator... I like that of all of it. You're not wrong. Kate Blanchett but played... But all the things... Kate Blanchett has made Marion. Great idea. God damn. I wish oh, I just... Oh, wait. Who does she play? Catherine Hepburn. She plays Catherine Hepburn in The Aviator. And her and Kath- as Catherine Hepburn in The Aviator? Mwah. I See, love that. See, Bill, that, that I'm not movie. distracted. <laughs> That's, I love that 
love the aviator. So let's go from. So yes, she was in Robin Hood as me and Marion. The best part of the aviator is Kate, uh, Kate Blanchett as Catherine as Kate Hepburn, which makes me want to have a whole an alter another alternate universe <laughs> where Kate Blanchett her entire career is as a Catherine Hepburn impersonator. Yeah. She does a fucking good job. What are you talking Hepburn. about? Would you go golfing? Ooh. Oh man. Anyway. Anyway, that is a total segue. Kingdom of Heaven, really flawed movie. I would never say it's a good movie. I wouldn't even... But it's definitely worth it checking out. If you favorites. check it out, uh, Rent, find or rent the... It uh, is, uh, yeah, the director's cut. Yeah. It is beautiful. That movie, visually, I always, in my brain, my first... This is... I, I talked about this in our Robin Hood podcast, but in my brain, when I see my Robin Hood books, which I'll never write because I'm one of those people, the first book is green and the second book is blue. Mm-hmm. And that opening sequence where they are... The first, maybe 30 minutes, where it's um, Orlando Bloom traveling with his father through the woods. Yeah. Like, the way those are shot... That is how, in my head, my second Robin Hood book looks. He's traveling with Lupin and uh, and uh, uh, what's and Rome, yeah, Moranis from Rome. Oh, and then you've got uh... there's someone else crazy in that movie. There's someone else crazy in that movie. I can't remember. There's what's his name who's been in a lot of other things. Is the guy who plays Guy Guillermo? Yeah. Man, there was man, there was something on the tip of my tongue about uh, Kingdom of Heaven, but I completely forgot about. It. Oh, so oh, Saladin, Saladin. That I, I can't. Whenever someone says Saladin, I just want to pronounce that Saladin because that's how they pronounce it in the movie. Yeah. Well, it's not Saladin, but it's. Oh, and David Thewlis is great as a satire. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's also got uh, Doctor Bashir from Deep Space Nine. He yeah, shows he's up, and great. he's a great little character. Yeah, that movie is but, interesting for the. It's uh, it's a little too simplistic of view, but the way um, Salah Adin's relationship with Catholic or with Christianity, I should say, is much more even handed. And spoilers: the Muslims retake Jerusalem, but the scene where they retake Jerusalem, where Salah Sal- Adin walks into the the mosque and he's setting everything back up. Yeah. And just like, it's just, it's so nice and respectable. Yeah. And it's just like, man, it's just, mm. That's just a, mm, it's a good, it's a good chunk of movie. But then also when they're talking about the dance of the dead stuff on the wall and yeah, man, there's a lot of great little, that movie, Eric Green's pretty. She's so pretty. She's She's really Generally goddamn pretty in that movie. She's so pretty. I even really like Orlando Bloom in that movie. He does a really good job. He does a good job of just being because that dude is such a simple dude. He's yeah. just a guy trying to be a good guy in a time in history where it is very hard to be a good guy. Michael Sheen does a great turn as his douchebag brother. Michael Sheen gets fucked up. Yeah. It's a good movie. I love that movie. I'm just saying, this podcast makes me want to go home, on the way home, pick up a big bottle of bourbon, and just watch these four movies. And when I'm done, watch them again. Uh, my number four pick is also a historical drama called yeah. Back to the Future. <laughs> Not quite as uh, monumental in its uh, ambition as Kingdom of Heaven, but it's about a dude who's trying to keep his mom from boning him. <laughs> One of the biggest comedy hits of the 80s. It's about this, yes, but this guy and his mom. Seriously, if I had to go, like, if I had to go back in time and pitch Back to the Future to the theater, to the studios, I'd be like, man, it's, it's like this, in, it's this hilarious incest comedy. Yep. Uh, back to the Future. What did you say about Back to the Future? You love Back to the Future, right? You love it as much as I do, right? <laughs> I have not seen Back to the Future. I since am going to cut maybe nineteen. 
95? I'm going to guess. No, Back to the Future is one of the finest films ever produced. I, I really do think that Back to the Future is one, just as a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like I said, I don't think it's the best film ever made, but just as a lighthearted family fair comedy movie. That, yeah. Uh, it's weird, too, because that, that movie They don't being, make movies like that anymore. Yeah, it's such, and that movie is aged extraordinarily well. Aside from the handful of special effects, mm-hmm. uh, just even the tenor of, of and just the writing of that movie yeah. has just. I mean, it's dated because you know it was made in the eighties, and the eighties oh, stuff sure. is. You watch it, and you're like, oh my god, that's what the eighties were. Um, it's just, it it is a timeless for a time travel movie. Is a fucking timeless. Uh, uh, Doc Brown is fantastic. Yeah. The score is great. The writing is super snappy. It's the just really sets funny. Are great. And no. it's not, yeah, it's just the yeah, production value. The, all the 1950s stuff is fucking hilarious. Um, man, it's Back to the Future. What should I say other than the fact that, like, I like all my movies come down to, like, it explains itself. I don't have to justify why Back to the Future is one of the greatest films ever made. But it's just, I'm not so much a fan of the other films in uh-huh. that series, just because Back to the Future 2 kind of crawls well, out the ass of Back to the Future 1 a bit. Well, there's some movies where, like, the, there's sequels that are not necessarily necessary. Yeah. The first Back to the Future movie is such a complete film. Yeah. And they made the mistake of, as soon as the movie came out on DVD, they put a to-be-continued thing at the end, which, you know, guaranteed that, oh, okay, we are going to come back for a sequel. Yeah. I'm assuming that's they did that because they were going to start work on a sequel. But, uh... Even the even the writers uh, writer director uh, it was directed by uh, Bob Zemeckis and uh, written by Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale and I think Bob Gale came out just recently. Well, I think he was talking about uh, the Back to the Future Telltale game came out. Yeah, he came out and admitted that if they thought they were actually going to do a sequel to Back to the Future, they wouldn't have had the girlfriend in the car with them when they fly off to the future. Yeah, because the girlfriend is not really meant to be an interesting nope. character. <laughs> so that's why at the beginning of Back to the Future too, they dispose of her as quickly as possible. <laughs> she literally gets knocked out. They put her in the trash. <laughs> I know it's just kind of a plot bump you're trying to get past, but just like, you guys could have dealt with that a little more elegantly. Do you remember when Bob Semeckis made movies that didn't involve, like, CGI human beings? Yeah, it's back when Bob Semeckis still had his fucking soul. (laughs) I can't believe this guy did Back to the Future. Like, buy a house in Uncanny Valley. (laughs) Oh my god, is he still making those? Oh, uh, his Beatles movie fell apart. Yeah. Oh, he did the Mars Needs Mom movie. Yep, and I think that was the last movie they will ever let him make. That They're was not one of the that biggest bombs in history. They're not going to let that motherfucker near your computer again. <laughs> That's it. Oh he, they, they, they grounded him. He's in his room indefinitely. Oh, man. But no, it's got Michael J. Fox back before he was shaky. He's really funny. But Michael J. Douche Fox was fantastic. I feel so bad for Michael uh, J. Fox's career getting cut short. Yeah. Michael J. Fox was legitimately awesome in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I guess he got diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's like right after they filmed Back to the Future 2 and 3. And so that was kind of like Back to the Future is going to be his legacy because between that and Family Ties, those were kind of the big things he did in the 80s. He never yeah. really had a chance to do much beyond that, which is a bummer because that guy, is, he always cracked me up. Um, uh, fucking uh, Christopher Lloyd's fantastic in that movie. Yeah. Even fucking Crispin Glover is ridiculous for he's him being great. a crazy person. Yeah. He's crazy in all the right ways in that movie yeah. where he's playing Marty's dad. I love his dad. whole plot with his, where he's a sci-fi writer. Well, super sci-fi nerd, yeah. I love that And he gets to write thing. his stupid little book at the yeah. end. Yeah. Man, and Leah Thompson, she was hot. Man, Leah Thompson was my 80s movie girlfriend. She was in Space Camp. I love Space Camp. <laughs> she knew what was going on. Man, and Thomas F. Wilson, he played Biff. Now he's like super Christian guy. And he's really into Monkey Island. Yeah? 
This is all. This is my extent of what this I all know, you know about Back to the Future. He used to, when I, I used to visit a frequent when I worked on my LucasArts fan site network. One of our network sites was the Scum Bar, which is the biggest Monkey Island fan site at the time. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, he once sent an email in saying he was a huge Monkey Island fan. Wow. Okay. There's my really interesting <laughs> interjection. <laughs> <you're> saying, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's got one of the best soundtracks of all time. Uh, music by Alan Silvestri. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie, you know what the theme is. And yeah. it's just, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a got good the, movie. the DeLorean as a badass time yeah. machine. One of the yeah. best time machines ever invented. Yeah. Originally, I guess for the original version of the film, it was going to be a refrigerator. <laughs> and then Steven Spielberg realized that, like, they were just guaranteeing that thousands of kids were getting going to die. Die get, in the refrigerator? <laughs> yeah, get locked and locked themselves in the refrigerator. So they changed it to a car, and I guess originally it was going to be a refrigerator that was they would take to a nuclear testing site. Yeah. So instead of the big car lightning thing at the end of it, the actual Back to the Future was a whole different, like, atom bomb, 1950s sure. kind of thing. Which, that could have been which interesting, too. And I guess originally the time machine ran on Coca-Cola. Really? Yeah, because I guess they were trying to go for a hardcore Americana, like, 1950s yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, how does that make sense? Why would Barney not be able to go Back to the Future? Because because he runs on it runs on plutonium, which they can't get. I'm trying to figure out how that would work. Anyway, uh, I could flip out about the plot dynamics of Back to the Future forever. <laughs> but yeah, no, that movie is just man, just it's just man. Sometimes if there's a rainy summer Saturday night, yeah, and I look out the window, and the wind's just blowing the right way. It yeah. just feels like Back to the Future, like yeah. the yeah, little triangle music from Back to the Future. I'm like, man, it feels like the mid '80s. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my that's my Back to the Future freakout. Uh, now it's time for Annie to finally choose once in a while for all what her fifth favorite film of all time. Okay, is. I think if I had to choose, what one are to choices? Round out the set, no, 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 because I think it's figured it out. Okay, I think I'd have to say Brick. I think Brick. Terrible. So I think we've also talked about Brick before. Ryan Johnson, who's the gentleman who brought us um, The Brothers Bloom, and is coming out with a new movie called Looper, speaking of time He also travel. wrote and directed Third Rock from the Sun. He did. Um, uh, Multi-talented. Brick, Brick was, I think, a lot of th- a big reason why I liked Brick is it was one of those movies where it was, again, just totally right up my alley, and I did not know it. All I knew about Brick was that I had started reading a different news movie news site at the time than I normally had, and they kept saying, Brick is really good. And they kept talking about it over and over mm-hmm. and over. So one day after work, I took the bus downtown to the theater downtown that tends to play, I hate to say arty films, but like more independent films yeah. than most of the theaters do in town. And I went to see it, and when I went in, it was a beautiful sunny day, and when I left, it was like dark and rainy, and walking downtown through the city thinking about that movie. Oh, yeah. It was just like the perfect movie moment. It's like me and my Saturday nights with the Back to the Future music. Yeah. yeah. And uh, man, Brick. So Brick is a it sounds stupid, and it's the reason why I didn't watch you it. You had to talk me into this for a long time. After Brick you sounds had seen dumb it, as shit. Because that's one of the reasons why I didn't go to it. It's a high school film noir. To boil it down, that's what it is. It is a fast talking, deeply like uh, with like a very um, naturalistic but alien language, um, s- tiny little film about um, teenagers and drugs. Yeah, and um, it's uh, starring. Um, the amazing Joseph Gordon-Lovett. Um, he plays this character, Brandon, who um, his ex-girlfriend is caught up with um, drug dealers and things go wrong and he has to try and bail her out. And it's great because it plays with all the archetypes of noir, like, because he's like your, your embittered um, uh, private dick 
who has had troubles with the law in the past, but he's on the straight and narrow now, and he gets dragged the back into the lobbying of the school, the like the principal, school. yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, there's the femme fatale, and there's the young innocent who's been dragged in. You have, like, the kingpin character, like, like See, the gangster. See, this sounds like a Max Fisher play from inside the Rushmore it universe, does, where it sounds, like, super self-serious. so good. Yeah. You want to talk about good scores? It's still... Rick has one of the best scores ever. Yeah. Emily's theme is one of my favorite pieces of music of all time. It's such a great... The score is super atmospheric. The costuming is brilliant. What I love about that movie is every single character, the shoes that they wear, define their character, which is such a little thing, but costuming is perfect. The score is perfect. The way it is filmed is perfect. The acting is perfect. And then you get Lucas Haas playing the kingpin, who is the kingpin of this whole drug network, who lives in his... Man, mom, he lives in his mom's basement. Yeah, it's great, and it's only playing that off for the joke, but it's still serious. But it's not at the same time. Yeah, like there's this great scene where he, where Brendan goes to confront this gangster and his thug, and um, he, and their mom is home, so the mom is like pouring. Yeah, because the they're still juice. high school students. Yeah, and they're high school students. Oh man, it is so good. It is one of my favorite movies in the world. And it's got a fucking fantastic ending. Yeah, it's got the Shit. noir ending. Yeah, it's got a. It's Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown kind of yeah. ending. Oh, man. Oh, man! Br- I can hear the music in my head, yeah. too. The rattling can sound. It is yeah. one... I, it is, it's, it's a movie where I saw it once kind of blew me away, and when I watched it again and again and again, I took from it more things. The plot is... It's a pretty dense, like, who betrayed who sort of noir sort of thing. And you kind of... The first time I watched it, I kind of skimmed over the top and took in the... Kind of the gloss. The plot the is pretty detailed. It. it takes a couple of viewings to yeah. kind of really delve into it. Yeah. But yeah. And it's, like, it's a very knowingly dense film. Yeah. You know, like with the language, like they talk, you know, they're, you know, and the characters are even trying to dissect the slang and language used in the film. But uh, it's, oh man, it's so good. And it's such iconic moments. Like, oh man, Brick. Brick is one of my favorite movies in the world. It has earned a free pass for Ryan Johnson for me for the rest of his life. Every movie Ryan Johnson will see, I will buy it. I've mentioned this in the past, but Ryan Johnson is one of those filmmakers where I cannot wait in 30 years to buy the the collected works of Ryan Johnson in whatever is the future Blu-ray. Because mm. he, he is a smart filmmaker. He very clearly cares a lot about film, and he has a very keen eye for what works in a movie and what doesn't. And his latest film, Looper, is coming out pretty soon, too. Man, yeah. yeah, Looper. His time travel Yeah, Looper, thing he, with... it's cute because he has his um his his crew of characters. He's only done two films, but um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt also shows up in, 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 in Brothers Bloom for two seconds, and one of the characters from uh, Brick is a bit character in, um, in Brothers Bloom, and, and he has more of his cast in uh, uh, Looper is starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt again and he's got another a few other bit players from Brick in it too and, yeah and well this is the movie that really started Brian uh, Jordan, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's thing before Inception really kick-started his, his movie career this is what got him to Inception, essentially. But. It's it's such a good movie, and it's um, <sighs> dude just got such a good eye for movies, and like clearly loves movies yeah. so much. Like, but he's know. not beholden to any one of one kind of genre or anything mm-hmm. like that. He he, he yeah. has his things that he likes, but he's not yeah. just aping things that he's seen before just yeah. blindly. Yeah, because so cause, it's um, riffing off of something intentionally. Like, yeah. yeah, Brick is a is a high school film noir watch Blade Runner and Brick in one evening sometime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so um, Brothers Bloom is a con man romance. So I'm really curious to like what Looper is. I mean, yeah. it's going to be a time travel assassin film? I don't know. I'm, I I trust Ryan Johnson. It'll be a wonderful companion piece to 12 Monkeys. Sounds like. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I, I love Brick. Brick is, it's beautiful film. It is just a well done film and it's one of my favorite movies. It is super personally meaningful. Cool. Brick. Thank you.
Uh, my last pick one. film. Pick one, Bill. Oh, man! Don't rattle off on ten. Look at that list. Pick one. Pick one. I'm going to count to three and you have to pick one. One, two, three. Raising Arizona. There we go. Uh, Raising Arizona. I made Annie watch Raising Arizona. She was nonplussed. <laughs> This is the story of me just trying to get Annie into stuff, and she just sits there and goes, <laughs> not you, you don't to. necessarily hate it, but you're just kind of like, meh. Yeah. I, that's a Coen Brothers film, right? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna say so something, a Coen Brothers movie. I'm going to say something controversial. I you do don't. not dislike the Coen Brothers movies, but I don't necessarily like them either. Did you see Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Everyone I loved really that movie. liked I Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. Have you seen Fargo? I have never seen Fargo. Fargo was fucked I up. need to correct Fargo, that. Far, Fargo and Raising Arizona are probably still my two uh, Coen Brothers movies. Raising Arizona, you didn't see the whole Raising Arizona, but Raising mm-hmm. Arizona to me, man, people love David Lynch. Fuck David Lynch. Fuck that son of a bitch. Oh, man. Someone Talk wrote in, raising... one of their favorite movies is Blue Velvet, and I think <laughs> I think Raising Arizona is the perfect antidote to Blue Velvet. <laughs> Whoever said Blue Velvet is one of their favorite films, I'm sorry. <laughs> but Blue Velvet is is David Lynch talking about how suburbia and how uh, suburbia is so naturally kind of like decrepit and evil and fucked up. Yeah. I love Raising Arizona because it's all about like the small people just trying yeah. to get by in life. Yeah. And it's fucking funny as hell. Yeah. I don't know. He was wearing all pajamas with the Yodas and shit. One of my <laughs> another one of my favorite lines in history. Uh, but it's it's fucking funny as hell. Even though it's got Nicolas Cage, which he's crazy. But this is back when yeah. Nicolas Cage was crazy in a funny way. Not yes, oh my god, exactly. what the hell's wrong with that son of a bitch? Um, it's got Holly Hunter and she's super badass Holly and Hunter's she's singing. Uh, oh God, what's the song from Raising I love Arizona? Holly Hunter, so I really can't hold anything against you. Oh there. man, wait, Annie, sing a song real quick. I'm gonna look up what that song from uh, Raising Arizona was. I'm just a gigolo. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> no, that was me singing a song. That's the song I got stuck in my in, head. In the in the Willow Grove, I think it's uh, something about that. But yeah, it's it's uh, for people who have not seen Raising Arizona. It's a movie about uh, Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter are playing. It's it's from like the mid to late eighties. I think it's like 1986, 1987. Mm-hmm. Holly Hunter and Nicolas Cage are playing these two. Uh, this poor couple in Arizona who can't conceive of a child of their own. Mm-hmm. And so they decided to steal a baby from this uh, family who's just had quintuplets. Yeah. And it's the Arizona quintuplets because the family it's the family name is Arizona. So they steal a baby. Uh... And so they're on the run from the police, from the Arizona family. The Arizona family hires this uh, bounty hunter to go after Nicolas Cage to get the baby back. But the Nick, the bounty hunter seems to be an existential projection of Nicolas Cage's psyche because they both have the same tattoo, oh, and really? it's never like there's a huge fight scene between Nicolas Cage and the bounty hunter at the end of the movie. But it's kind of suggested that this is Nicolas Cage bringing it, like it's kind of karma coming back to bite him in the ass. Maybe like the b- bounty hunter is just yeah some kind of weird projection of himself like trying to kick his own ass for stealing a baby. Yeah. But it's never, it's it's kind of a weird thing they kind of throw in there, but they don't explain it, but it's kind of like an interesting extra just little twist inside of, aside from this just being a funny comedy, it's a little bit like a slight existential like twang. Yeah. Just the one or two beats of like kind of weirdness between him and the bounty hunter. Bounty hunter gets blown up. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> but like, oh man, he gets hit in the face with a board. That's what I'm saying. You get the existential thing of, yeah. of, of, of that stuff. And then you got Nicolas Cage hitting a giant guy with a board traveling on a motorcycle. 
Um, yeah, and it's got Paul uh, John Goodman, one of his first big roles back mm-hmm. in the 80s before he became big. He plays an escape convict with his buddy. Oh, John Goodman. And they end up stealing the baby, and they try to rob a bank, but they leave the baby behind, and mm-hmm. it's fucking hilarious, and you got a panty on your head, and they're trying <laughs> to get the Huggies diapers. Well, the other thing is Nicolas Cage, he's a he's a bank store robber. Yeah. Or a convenience st- uh, store robber. This is yeah. how he just makes his money. He ends up meeting Holly Hunter because she's a cop. Who processes people getting arrested? Yeah, and he gets he, he keeps getting get, getting arrested so much he keeps on bumping into her at yeah. the, at the police station that yeah. they end up falling in love, <laughs> and they just have the greatest just relationship. It's <laughs> just like, hi, you don't get me a baby. I want a baby. You gonna get me a baby? And it's just like, and it's just like the, the trials and tribulations of just being young and not knowing what the hell you're doing, but wanting to have a family, but you can't have a baby. Yeah, and just trying to figure that out. And you want to have a legacy, and you want to have a future, and you want yeah. to grow old with someone with with kids around you. And what ha- what happens if you can't? do that by yourself yeah and the frustrations of that it's just a lot of layers in that movie and that and and yeah, yeah. that it's it's the antidote to like david lynch where he's like civil people in suburbia are just, it's creepy and weird there's a seedy underbelly i'm like no yeah. man most uh, to paraphrase uh it's a wonderful life oh man that's another one of my choices yeah uh, it's, it's the poor people who do most of living and dying in this world. Yeah. And that's, that's what living Arizona is all about. Yeah. Fuck David Lynch. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, well, my, friends, let's, let's touch on some of your favorite movies. Yeah, like, Mad Max, Against guys... Thunderdome, Goonies, Aliens, Empire of the Sun, Jaws, Star Trek Two, Ghostbusters, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, The Godfather, which was my other top five choices, <laughs> but I couldn't sort out. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about feedback from all other right, people. Alright, so, um, let's start with their movie choices. So, um, uh, loyal listener, Maxwell Motley, Motley, excuse me, um, uh, she says, it's ever-changing, but, Paprika, okay, Paprika was on my list. I'm kind of, yeah, I was about to say. Paprika is amazing. Paprika is another movie that I was expecting nothing from and blew me away. Not so much as a spice. You only use it on deviled eggs, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Paprika is also the movie that I was obsessed with and in love with, and everyone else is kind of freaked out about that. Because <laughs> there's a lot of fucked up shit that gets... happens in that movie. <laughs> a man puts a hand in her vagina and moves it up to her face and well, unzips her head. Paprika is interesting because it's ultimately about, um, uh, like, um... Really, it's about what men expect from a woman versus what a yeah. woman wants. But the most, the bulk of the movie is about what a, what men want from. She a woman. She ends up hooking up with the fat guy at the yeah. end. So hmm. it's intense. Oh, anyway, yeah. um, it's an excellent choice. Excellent choice. Um, Scott Pilgrim, good movie. Ed- Edgar Wright, one of the best. Howl's Moving Castle. Here's my Howl's Moving Castle anecdote. I blew off one of the Harry Potter <laughs> releases, one of the Harry Midnight releases for the, one of the Harry Potter books to go see Howl's Moving Castle. Just because Miyazaki movies are so great to see on the big screen. Yeah. That's all I can remember for that. Um, Stargate. Never seen Stargate. I've only seen Stargate Atlantis because my wife loves that show so much, which is cute. I don't think that is an accurate representation <laughs> of Stargate. I think Stargate has 3,000% less Jason Momoa. Um, the Dark Crystal. You have nothing to say about one. the Dark Crystal? I've only seen the Dark Crystal you do once. not care. It's got gelflings. It's got gelflings. It's got gelflings. No. Gelflings. The Dark Crystal is not my thing. And you got these people get the juice sucked out of them, and the it's got big scra- like scare monsters. It is not It's my got thing. Brian Froud people. I hate Brian Froud. That's why it's not my thing. Brian Froud is not my thing. I find his art grotesque. Like, actually grotesque. Grosses me out. His artwork does look like an old lady's butt. Not in a bad way, but it's all wrinkly. Anyway, Maxwell, I 100% agree with half of your decision. Oh, the other thing I wanted to give a shout out to Maxwell, because she had surgery. She had an uh, ovary oh. taken out. Oh. Because it was mutant. <laughs> 
She had, it, they took out the uh, ovary and ex- they threw it through a window and exploded, and now she's recovering. I meant to say We're something about this. You. Yeah, well, I mean, she, she's actually had the surgery a while ago. I meant yeah. to say something about it in the last two podcasts. But considering I don't, can't even remember to put on underwear some weeks, <laughs> I'm glad I finally got Yeah, I hope you feel better, Maxwell. Yeah, seriously, and we You're always awesome. value your feedback. Um, even go- if your peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, maybe you'll fuck up. <laughs> Daniel Fight says in random order, clerks. Yeah. Clerks is great. Clerks is held up, even though that movie's 20 years old. Clerks is great if it did not result in the rest of Kevin Smith's career. Hey, man, I was in Dogma. Don't talk to <laughs> anyway. me. That would have been 50 bucks out of my pocket if he had never had a career. And I don't, I don't, excuse me, I wish that Ke- Kevin Smith would be quiet. Chasing That's kind Amy. of what it feels. Chasing yeah. I, I really like Kevin Smith movies. I can't really, I mean, I do. As a human being, you're not a fan? I'm not, well, he's I think ca- you can. He's, he's you can, got the Michael Moore thing. He's the Michael should, Moore of nerds. You should be able to divorce a person from their art, really, if you want to be happy in this world. Yeah. But Kevin Smith is so Kevin Smith. Like, his stuff is so Kevin Smithy. Yeah. I really liked the Kirk's TV show. I know I'm in the minority in that. Mm-hmm. Star Trek 2. I'm sure Bill has strong feelings on that. Star- I mean, that's another one of the movies where, like, yeah, Star Trek 2. Who doesn't like Star Trek 2? <laughs> Fargo. Fargo. Man, Fargo! Man, the music's in that great. And, like, people get fucked up. And it's all about, like, man, what's her name? Marg uh, Gunderson. She's pregnant, but the fact that she's pregnant, she thought she gives birth by the end of the movie. Yeah. It's another thing where the little people do, she's law enforcement, and it's just like, little people versus criminals. It's mm-hmm. just, man, mm. I will. I need to watch Fargo. Uh. Um, 1989's The Killer. I'm what assuming is this, this is the Chow Yun-Fat John Woo movie, which, mm. man, lot, this is the perfect example of dudes jumping through the air with two guns and doves flying through the air. <laughs> well, isn't it, like, one of the examples of that? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, John, uh, Chow Yun, I think Chow Yun-Fat plays an assassin and he's going up against another assassin. Oh, he's trying to get eyeballs for this blind lady, I think. <laughs> that he actually, the movie it's starts... that scene from Blade Runner indefinitely, is what you're saying. He's trying to, like, the movie starts with Chow Yun-Fat, he's trying to kill somebody, and this lady gets too close to his guns when he fires them to kill this guy, and he ends up blind, uh, blinding the lady, and so he's gonna do one last job to get the money <laughs> to get new eyeballs for this lady. I think that's what it is. Um, and Perfect Blue. What is I that? saw Perfect Blue a long time ago. I don't remember anything. Well, trust your judgment on that. Well, that's Tokyo Godfather's guy. Oh, is it? Satoshi, oh, it's that Satoshi movie. Kong. Okay, I know of it. I that's not, not the it. actress movie. Yeah. No, that's Millennium Actress. But yeah, okay. okay. Um, Hannah K. Groff. Says The Shawshank Redemption, my little sister's favorite movie. That is a good movie. Great. You want to talk about great There's a lot of backlash against that movie just because everyone's like, oh, it's it's a good movie. It's not that good. But it is a good movie. It is actually a really good movie. It's one of those movies that shows up, uh, you'll turn on the TV, it's on TBS, and you'll be like, The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Ah. Um, Goodbye Lennon. All I can remember from Goodbye Lennon is it has a really good theme. The hell is Goodbye Lennon? Did you never see Goodbye Lennon? Oh, she only lists three, three movies, so maybe this is two movies. What's Goodbye? Is there a movie just Fuck called Lennon? You. No, Goodbye Lennon is actually really cute. I'm trying to remember. It's about a guy. It's um, a post-Soviet Germany. And um, uh, uh, um, his mother comes out of a coma. Either his mother or father. I can't remember. Sci-fi? Which. So or they have this... to pretend that there's... And, and the shock could kill them if they know that the Soviet Union has fallen. Oh. So they have to pretend that the Soviet oh, that's Union really is clever idea for It is cute. As I recall, I really, really liked it. The theme is one of my favorite theme songs. It's this great cello, like... It's a really great piece of music. But anyway, um, I remember I remember the ending kind of falls apart, is what I recall. Oh. I think she, I think it is a, his mother, and okay. she just winds up walking out. It's not bad, but it's just not. And there's an awkward love story. But I remember it being very fun. I enjoyed it a lot. I saw it in theaters. Muppet Treasure Island was your third choice, and you are correct. 
Muppet Treasure Have Island is amazing. You tried to make me see that because I've seen parts of it, but oh, you made me. We watched Muppet Christmas Muppet Carol. Christmas Carol. I've still not seen Muppet Treasure Island. I've Muppet Treasure Island is fantastic. Were we talking about Benjamin and Gunn just Benita. last week? Yes. Most intense we had. Um, good old Sid, good old Gorn Flake says the Aviator, and you're correct. It's even though, quote unquote, even though it is just three hours of Leonardo DiCaprio frowning, also Leonardo DiCaprio peeing into jars. <laughs> The Aviator has no right to be as amazing as it is, but it is one of the best movies ever made. Man, I'll the color it. palette of that movie is fantastic. Just, we were talking about Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, <laughs> for 10 minutes. Um, yeah, it is an amazing movie. That is the movie that made, I had to go, oh, fuck, I really like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, he does a good job. He is an amazing, he's amazing in that film. Everything is amazing in that movie. It's Man, that plane one. crash when he's, like, he gets really fucked up when he's, uh, like, 1945, when yeah. he, like, crashes into the... El Segundo or whatever the hell it was. And it has also um, made a, a developed a meme between me and Bill, which is, of course, Show Me the Blueprints. Show Me the Blueprints. Show Me the Blueprints. Show the... Technically, I show think it's Show Me All the Blueprints, but yeah, Show Me the Blueprints. Show and the Data blueprints. from Star Trek The Next Generation shows up. And as does um, Sam Rockwell, as does um, Alex does Baldwin. Sam Rockwell play? He plays like a schmoozy. Oh, no, 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 it's um, Ben Scott. You're thinking about Iron uh, Man not too. Ben Scott, not Ben Scott. It's um, Adam Scott. Excuse me. Who's Adam Scott? Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. He shows up for like two minutes as a as like a press guy or something. Oh, okay. Like He's got a weasel little mustache. He looks good with a weasel little mustache. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, beloved listener Sean Baker, um, The Incredibles. Yeah. Awesome. Best Blade superhero Runner. movie ever. It is the best superhero movie of all time. We're as y'all know, we're big fans of, of Brad Bird. Um, Blade Runner. He say you Blade Runner. He say you Blade. Man, every time I see Blade Runner, I want to have uh, I want to get shrimp and argue with an old uh, uh, Asian man about whether or not it should be two shrimp or four. <laughs> Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies in the world, um, just because again it was a movie that I had never really familiar with, and then it blew me away. I mostly like it because um, Deckard is such an unlikable prick. That's always interesting to me when you have a movie with an unlikable prick protagonist. He's a fucker. He's a terrible man. He commits rape <laughs> halfway through the film. Is it rape if it's a robot raping another <sighs> robot? Wally. Speaking of which. <laughs> Wally is great. Who would be the rapist there? Wally is an interesting movie because I think it's one of Pixar's best movies, but I never, I could never watch it again, which is weird. I love it. I I, think it's great. I think the first half of that movie, until he goes into space, is is one of the best things Pixar ever did. Once, not that I think it suddenly suddenly turns into a terrible movie once they get into space. I love that. But it becomes less specifically super awesome. I love that movie's use of Hello Dolly. Also, no, that's true too. Yeah, I don't know. It's, there are some movies. See, that's how I feel with most movies. I can, I love that. I'll enjoy them. I'll see them, and I'll never want to see them. Guys, we want feedback about your favorite movies. We're gonna tear slag them on them. Down. Hey, hey, Sean also lists Empire Strikes Back. Sean knows what the fuck's going on. And here's another vote for the Shawshank Redemption. Woo! My little sister agrees with all of y'all. Everyone loves a magic negro. <laughs> Adrian J. Wallace says, um, The Iron Giant. I actually am a little disappointed I was co- in myself. I wanted to put an animated film in my top five. I, I did was thinking, too. I love if, cartoons If so I had to choose one animated flick, it, I would, it, it would almost have to be The Iron Giant. What ultimately, what I what I base my list off of is, like I said, I could watch movies and then not watch them again. I chose the movies that I can watch over and over and over and never tire of. Yeah. And that's why I chose. But otherwise, Iron Giant is the one. It, it, I would say that is the best animated film of all time. Welcome to Coolsville. Population us. Um, Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Dun, 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 I love Brazil. Dun, 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 um, The Shining. Man, Brazil. I'm assuming that's with the sad ending where Sam Lowry doesn't quite make it out of the Ministry of Information. Do you know this Man, thing where there's like four no, different yes. cuts and it's yeah. all Man, yeah. Brazil? Dun, 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 um, The Shining is yeah. 
You don't, have you ever seen The Shining? I will never see The Shining. It's not that scary, except... <laughs> except for the scary part. Well, there's one part where... Like, spoilers, Jack Nicholson goes crazy and tries to kill, uh, kill Shelley Duvall. And there's a part where she's trying to crawl out a bathroom window, but it's too small for her to get out of. And my joke was like, you know, bathroom window's too small when Shelly Duvall can't <laughs> climb out of it. <laughs> it really is. Like, they had to make it so small for her to, like, not to really fit. It's not a window as much as she's trying to crawl through, like, a tube in the wall. I will never see The Shining for many reasons. One of which is the, all the exterior shots are the Timberline Lodge here, yeah, here in, in this neck of the woods. And I love the Timberline Lodge. And it's I don't good. want it to be associated with that It's not that, that sort scary. It's a 30-year-old movie. It's one of those scary Dude, movies that I has, am, is not I am, as quite as scary. I do not like movies where the ultimately the goal is to scare it's me. It's got a crazy soundtrack, though. It's all Wendy Carlos. Boom. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. That's why I'm worried about Prometheus. I'm biased about it's... The Shining because I read the book before I saw the movie as a kid, and I, I actually prefer the book. Not that The Shining's bad, but man, Stanley Cooper's out of fucking mind. Yep. Like, the interiors, I love the interiors of that place. Yeah. And, man. Um, Triplets of Belleville, which is an excellent choice. All I can remember that movie is really pretty. The dog. Though. Yeah. <laughs> the giant calves and the bicyclists. That's what I remember uh, from that movie. Man, the, is, I, the song was fantastic. Man, the truth is available is fucking hilarious. But I, yeah, that dog. I mean, that, you know, I haven't seen that since it was in theaters. Actually. Yeah, I haven't either. Oh my god. Um, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Good choice. He's, it's smart. Um, Adrian J. Wallace also cheated with some runners up. Um, Princess Mononoke. They're good. Yeah, Princess Mononoke, which I still haven't seen since the theaters. Um, John Carpenter's The Thing. I've never actually seen that. Um, Blue Velvet, Alien, and Vertigo. Oh, uh, Adrian J. Wallace. I'm sorry about talking about Blue Velvet. <laughs> Alien, Vertigo. I haven't seen Vertigo in forever, too. I have never seen Vertigo. I have only ever seen two, um, uh, fuck, I'm forgetting his name now. Um, God damn it. Who did Vertigo? That guy. Fatso. <laughs> Not the Penguin. <laughs> oh, um, Hitchcock. Hitchcock. I've only actually seen two, three Hitchcock movies. <laughs> I've seen Rear Window, I've seen The Birds, and I've seen, what is it? It's like, it's like all about John or something like that. Like it's one of his more obscure ones. It's about like. Did I you don't know. see uh, his "I Love Turtles"? Do you ever see that web video where the kids like "I Love Turtles"? What? He directed that. It's one of his best. He faked his death. He's still out there. Like Maru is actually the work of Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> He's that good. Our friends. No, one last thing. Uh, oh shit! No, actually, a lot of the feedback. Man. This is the second week in the row where a lot of the feedback for the podcast has gone uh, uh, missing because uh, Twitter only caches feedback. Uh, we had a lot of uh, peanut butter and jelly talk. Yeah, so I asked y'all about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because my childhood, if you didn't have peanut butter and grape jelly sandwich, yeah. you were faking your front. Um, one of our listeners, um, uh, uh, a prelude to more. Um, yeah, said we only have prelude to more's feedback still, they, but I know other people were talking about this. They grew up on strawberry jelly, and have you stopped to consider what is normal by region? I'm from the East Coast. I did not think that just because I was an army brat, and I was I grew up in Georgia, Kansas, Texas, a little bit of West Virginia and Louisiana. I guess that is mostly they have marshmallow fluff here though, right? They just don't have. Fluff. Maybe people just don't make fluffernutters. What is a fluffernutter? What? What is a fluffernutter? That's so it's so tempting to make a room. <laughs> yeah, please do not. Bill. No, fluffernutter is <laughs> it's a, a man sandwich. and a woman <laughs> love each other. Fluffernutter does sound like what happens if you, like you're going down on a guy and the semen blasts out of his nose and onto back onto his balls. But uh <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Sandwiches half peanut butter, half uh, marshmallow cream. 
That sounds on good normal and bread. Awful no, it's I've had time. one. Well, also marshmallow cream on normal bread is just weird. I believe it. It's not bad. It's just it's very like very eastern seaboard. Not even east coast, but like even growing up in Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, like and even in being in Philadelphia, that seemed to be more of like a uh, uh, east new like a New England thing as opposed to just yeah like Midwest kind of. But yeah, no, we had other people talking about their uh, what makes PB and J that got lost. But man, fuck Twitter. I'm gonna, yeah, like a second, I'm gonna start copying that down in the future. Uh, it was next week gonna be the actual just be the PB and J. I'm spitting all over myself. PB and J podcast. I'm that frothed up about PB and J right now that we've lost <laughs> just this data. all with our secret well, recipes. How often do you have this many people writing about peanut butter and jelly sandwich recipes? <laughs> Dude, there has to be a peanut butter and jelly fetish site on the internet where this is literally all they talk about all fetish the time. Fetish site, like you only you don't want to even fuck women. You just want to fuck a PB and J. That's right. Like which jelly like infects your penis the, le- the oh, least when you have sex Bill. with it? Because you're gonna have sugars up there. Oh. Friends, okay. Um, oh man, what is the boy Hattie what podcast? No, 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 no,